Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. Welcome to the Bass and Brews podcast, your weekly distraction from other high-quality podcasts. And now, your host, Alex from Swamp Rat Fishing, and the co-hostess with the mostest, the Jabberhammer, Paul Roberts. Oh, hell, look at here. I'll tell you what, we got the new intro. This is the second episode with it. Man, I love that intro. In case y'all didn't hear last week's episode, our buddy Drew from the Paddler's Playbook did that for us. And let me tell you, it is awesome. Not only that, Saltside Jess is the one speaking. Oh, okay. And yeah, she got the sweetest damn voice in podcast land. Now, y'all reach out to Drew at Paddler's Playbook if y'all want her to do some stuff for you because she has a clean voice when it comes to this. Alex is not with us tonight. I guess he's he's mopping the deck or scrubbing whatever <laughs> the damn he's got to do on the boat, plunging toilets. Singing sea shanties over there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's standing off the front with his arm. I don't know what the hell he's doing. But uh, he will be also lovingly referred to as uh, Short Alex, Minuscule Alex, and Little Alex from here on out. But he's not here tonight. I got guest co-host, old Nick Head from Cast and Crank. How you doing tonight, Nick? Great. Awesome. I got my high life ready to talk. This, I didn't drink last time. That's I was right. Sober, That's right. I was sober, Nick. That went out the window. <laughs> hey, Nick Head's here to fucking party. <laughs> After after your last after your last uh, you know two or three weeks of, of podcasts after or, or, or leading up to this, I was like, yes, we're gonna get we're gonna get the cast and crank Nick out tonight. <laughs> look, we y'all look, we got Adam Riser as our guest tonight. Oh yeah, and, and, and Adam, how are you doing tonight, Alice? I'm do, I'm doing just fine. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Uh, uh, I like the idea of this one being a little more of a loose thing. I've been fortunate enough to be a guest on a handful of podcasts, and my favorite ones are usually the ones where you can just be kind of loose and open format. And uh, the fact that uh, I got Nick that I've got you know two decades of history with, and then I got Paul that I got a few months of history with. So <laughs> we'll meet somewhere in the middle and have a good time with it. Well, hopefully, hopefully we have a good enough time. You go back in there and that play that piano for us later. Yeah, I had to take a break from my piano lessons today. Like I'm, as everyone knows, I'm a, a classical music junkie, and all and all I do in my free time when I'm not fishing is uh, play piano by the fireplace, as uh, you can tell. And for the viewers that are listening to the audio only, I, I have a background for my video screen right now that has a, a fabricated fireplace and piano and couch. But for the sake of entertainment, we're going to say it's actually my real living room. But in all actuality, you are a very talented musician that can play everything, except for piano. If yeah. it's got strings, I can probably play. I can bang. I can bang some drums. Hard, drum, everything. Yeah. He's a yeah, very yeah. good musician. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> well, 
so y'all aren't going to get the full experience because Alex does some shit with the podcast that I just <laughs> don't have time to do. So we're going to shout out Hooks at Hoodlums Live because I don't know how he does that. We're also recording on the last possible day to record because I wanted to get this in because I've been excited about this damn podcast. And and it all this is how it started. I met Adam at the Hobie BOS on CNT. I, I got into town at 3 o'clock on Friday, and that's when pre-fishing ended. And I, I had enough time to go check out some ramps. So I went checked out my ramps. We had the captain's meeting, and, and I roll in. I get registered, get my, my, my board checked out, and I go find a table to sit down. And now I had known Adam from, from just kayak fishing. I didn't know, didn't know him. I knew of him. And so I sit down next to him and introduce myself, and he introduces himself. I'm like, yeah, I know who the hell you are. And, and we sat there for the whole captain's meeting, talking shit and getting to kind of know each other back and forth. And it had a cool story. And I told him, I was like, look, dude, you know, I have this shitty-ass podcast called Pass and, Bass and Brews. Would love for you to come on. And he said, hell yeah. So we have been in the works to get this going for a while. But as fate would have it, we got Nick on. It's been about uh, six Couple weeks ago. Weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's been about six weeks ago. Nick was on. Y'all go check out that one. That was a good one. And come to find out, him and Adam have a very rich, interesting background together. Yeah, and I was like, background, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, damn it. When Alex is gone, we're gonna get this shit set up. And so (laughs) here we are. Here we are. I, I have no idea where this podcast is gonna go. But it is going to be a good time. I can damn sure guarantee y'all that shit. But y'all check out Hookset Hoodlums, Hills 10. You can find all that shit on the social medias. We're going to get into it now. Now, Adam, for the folks that might not know who you are, what what has brought you right here, right now, sitting in front of us? Uh, I love catching bass. That's that's the simple answer. I love catching bass. I love bass fishing. Um, I kind of got the blinders on. I don't even really care for other species aside from bass. And uh, I'm, I'm located in Nashville, Tennessee area. I grew up in North Alabama. I spent most of my 20s out in Southern California in Orange County. Um, and I'd, I'd actively hit all the uh, the kayak tournaments, the, the trails. I, I'm a, a, a kayak fishing guide. Um, so any, any chance I can get out there and catch a fish out of a plastic boat, I'm trying to do it, and I've uh, been doing it for a handful of years now and uh, enjoying every bit of it. So what's your guide service? It's, it's, it's a pretty, like, I, I don't pursue it as, like, a full-time thing. Um, I was forced to jump into it prematurely when the pandemic came around um, just as some extra income because my normal work in the service industry got pulled out from under me. So I was like, you know, it was an idea to do some guiding, but I was just, I had to jump into it ahead of time. I wanted to have like a website up and have it pretty legit looking, but instead I just kind of had to put the word out there be like, Hey, I'm guiding. Who wants to, uh, get in the mix with it. And, uh, so far it's been pretty great. Like I say, it's not my intention to keep a fully book schedule doing the guide stuff because my other line of work is uh, more lucrative than, uh, if I did have a fully booked guide thing, but I enjoy the uh, the guide trip so much and just teaching other people, watching people fish. Like um, I can honestly say that like when I can put someone on fish or watch the light bulb go off when we're going over a technique or maybe an electro- electronics trip, 
um, watching someone else learn and become a good fisherman or catch that big fish. Um, that means just as, as much to me, if not more than, uh, my, myself catching the fish. So, um, it, it's something I'm passionate about. Um, I just don't fully load my schedule with it. Um, but it's, I don't have like a website or anything. You can just kind of reach out. Um, most of my clients are people that, uh, not so much want to catch fish the day of, even though that's always still a goal, mm. but I want to equip people with the, the knowledge and the skills to catch fish on their own for all their own future endeavors. And I feel like my skill sets are strong enough to uh, instill that confidence and uh, give the people the knowledge they, they need for uh, outings on their own. And again, nothing makes me happier than I, I tell my clients like, Hey, just cause we're done with the session today, doesn't mean that this communication is over with. Like if you have follow-up questions or uh, something that uh, you learned on, on your own after our trip, let me know. Like, or if you forget maybe a detail that I said, cause I can get pretty wordy out there in the water. I can get pretty verbose and drop a lot of knowledge in a hurry. So I could understand why someone wouldn't know everything, but uh, I told them reach back out to me. Let me know uh, what you're applying based on what we learned together. And uh, it, it's, it's always an open line of communication. And uh, I just, Man, uh, fishing just does such uh, great things for me that if I can share that and get people even more into it, I see it as uh, nothing but a positive thing. Are you strictly kayak or are you doing any bass, bass uh, boat fishing? I will hop in someone else's boat. I will not drive it for kind of just like legal reasons or whatever that way. And, I, you know, I'm not equipped. I've, I have no history in bass boats. I have no histories in boats or anything. Like I'm, I'm purely strictly a kayak guy. Um, but I have hopped in like, uh, guys bass boats and done electronics trips or, or you know ran them around the local lake in their own boat because um, they're you know, like for, for the ones I'm thinking of they were wanting to win their local club tournaments or, or perform better that way so I was like all right let's hop in your boat let's I'll show you how to set up my graph based on what you got you can drop some waypoints on the good stuff and then you know not long after that I hear a guy wins a tournament uh, based on some stuff we saw so whether it's I can provide a kayak it's bring your own kayak or if I need to hop in your boat whatever works uh, you know if you just want to learn we'll find a way to do it i think the one thing that i don't do and i haven't done yet and i'd probably steer away from it is like kids um i kind of like it, that's <laughs> that, Adam, he fucking hates kids no. <laughs> it's it's more it's more like you know hey, a kid, i got three of them i fucking hate them <laughs> it, it's like you know the kids want to catch fish and out of a kayak it's doing a guide ship out of a kayak since you're so much more limited as to how much running around you can do even with or without a motor on the kayak um trying to catch numbers for the day on the, on the random day on the calendar that the client selected to go out for the trip that can be a kind of a big ask um and so knowing that that's what a kid's trip is like that's why i'm like i don't care to do that or if someone does reach out to me for that or even like some river trips I would rather refer them to a couple buddies that are more equipped or better at that. So I do yeah. kind of have like a specific uh, clientele that I'm looking for when I do this. Um, but I also feel very confident that I, I'm really good at that specific type of thing as far as instilling that knowledge in these people. I put my son, who's got a YouTube channel, can't look harder than his name for a long time because his little ass loved to be chased. So he would run, and he'd be running, but he'd be looking behind him. And boom, he'd be running into shit. So I started a hashtag, can't look harder. That's same with name. my son. Same thing. <laughs> dude, he had a lump like a baseball in his head right here. <laughs> fucking... it, but I put him on the back of my Hobie in a little Tommy Bahama chair, and he goes fishing with me a lot. 
I have lost more lures hanging his damn line behind me casting. And, you know, you get the bird's nest, and I'm trying to look for the lure. You never see. I don't know what the hell happens to it. But, yeah, kids fishing in a kite, that's a struggle. What I do like what you said, Adam, is that it's not – to me, it's not – it doesn't sound like you guide in, in the in the old sense of guiding. You're taking you're, – you're teaching. You're instructional. That's correct. And so, and so folks understanding that come out there with a different mentality that we're not coming out there to catch, you know, catch dinner or to catch big fish. Correct. We might, but the idea is you're coming out here to learn how to fish out of a kayak or to learn how to yep. use your electronics, uh, you know, how, how to locate fish because you can't catch fish where fish ain't. And, and I like that about that because there's, um, and, and we hear that there are some people who guide like that, but, for you to do that, that's interesting because I think that's a niche which it, within the niche of, of guiding. There's, there's no shortage of guides around the greater Nashville area that can put you on those numbers of fish. And now with uh, the forward-facing sonar, I've seen – because I follow all those guys on you know, on social media and whatnot. And, like, boy, there, it seems like their uh, amount of catches have just really skyrocketed because of the forward-facing sonars, you know. The hybrid, uh, the guys that are, uh, you know, catching hybrid bass and uh, especially, you know, the ones that you'd want to throw in the cooler. Um, I'm seeing them have like a lot of really successful trips. Um, but there's still that like group of guys that want to learn how to just catch like largemouth or target smallmouth or, hey, like my goals are to perform better in my local club or on the tournament trail or, you know, maybe there's this one uh, area of my fishing, my bass fishing that I just, I, I can't seem to get over that hurdle. I'm going to be the guy to uh, teach you, help you out with that. But the, the catching numbers of fish, you know, even though there have been days when I, uh, with my clients when we've had that, it's just not the, the number one goal. And we always talk about the goals uh, prior to the trip so that we can make the best yeah. of our time together. That's cool. All right. We're going to get into the meat and taters of this podcast and why, why Nick is here as guest co-host <laughs> with that. Because they have a very rich history. I didn't know about until I had actually started talking to Nick. And he, look, y'all, it took Nick until after the podcast to actually give me a cell phone number. I had to message <laughs> this asshole through damn Instagram because, you know, he's 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 podcast royalty. No, I'm definitely not royalty. <laughs> like, he's podcast I'm royalty. A, like I said, I'm a dickhead that likes to run his mouth. And I've been doing it for a long time. That's it. Four, four years, uh, I think August twenty. Six is four and how years. many episodes? That episode, that episode will be two hundred and sixty, sixty nice. something. I'm not sure. Awesome. So almost, yeah. So three hundred's coming up. Like I said, I'm hoping to slow down the podcast and product Viking heads. Oh, look at that! <laughs> talk, yeah, talk, talk, talk about. Go, let's go ahead and hit that shit early on the podcast, Nick, so people. The most people are going to be listening right now. So talk about the, the Viking heads. Okay, so Viking head is an idea I had. Uh, I had Ben Milliken on the podcast. And uh, we were talking after, and I said, hey, dude, how do you get sponsors? He has, like, MFers, so, like, motherfuckers. You can kind of call him like that. Or you want to call him, you know, Milliken Fishing, whatever you want to call him. Um, <laughs> I said, hey, dude, I got problems getting getting sponsors because I, you've heard my mouth. He's listening to the podcast. He's a great dude. So he goes, you know, invest in yourself. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what the fuck that means, but okay, yeah, I don't know how I do that. So I was doing a podcast with Tackle Tour, 
And uh, we were talking about leadheads, and I'm like, "Do you have any good leadheads that you like, like recommend?" Or like, he's like, "You know, I really don't do a lot of leadheads. Like, there's some like war baits or whatever it might be." I'm like, "Hmm." Huh. So what I did is I went back in the podcast, cut that part out, so no one fucking had my idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then went to my my buddy uh, Matt Hom from 86 Baits and Chris Feely from Black Anchor Fishing. And uh, I mean, I hit up a lot of dudes like them. Uh, I mean, Mark, I talked to about paint from Bass Brains. Uh, Bobby Martinez, which is a Calico guy here. Uh, Kelly Pupo, Bass Jesus, if you guys ever see him. He's another guy I hit up. Uh, Mark from Performance Tackle, Joe. All these guys, I got a lot of input. So uh, I took my drawing, took it to Matt. Matt carved it for me. Then I went to a 3D uh, scanner. They scanned it, and then Chris Feely kind of did it all up. So I'm at the point right now where the head's pretty much done and designed which is a weedless and a uh, regular jig head. I'm waiting on the CNC molds. And then after this version, I will do the finesse head, which I'll have more people like Adam involved with, a, oh, I think, a eighth, three sixteenths, quarter, and three eighths. Good. So, But it'll be with a different hook. And I want to try to give two options. I want to try to do a Gamagatsu, and I want to try to do a Mustad. So you see, I've, I've found a lot of people like different hooks, in their mm-hmm. baits. So my goal is to sell this first set of heads. I want to buy a spin caster and then I can make my own molds to fit the desires and needs of people. Cause there's, you can't fit one head for them all. This ain't fucking Lord of the Rings. There's not one fucking ring to roll them all, you know? <laughs> so I'm, I mean, and I always, I tell people, this is kind of like a saltwater hybrid version, like where it's I was going to ask of, if it had salt and fresh aspects. It does. So the hooks are smaller. So like, they're uh, VMC 7161s, and the, the, the size and the, the shank length's a little shorter than it would be in the salt, and that's a recommendation like Bobby yeah. salt guys. But I still uh, had, like Kelly would fish them and be like, hey, they still fit, like, they fit a Kitech pretty good. You know, like, he's like, hey, do you, and he's like, but I just want a longer shank because it's always been the issue is you get a Kitech or you get a Demiki, you know, bait, and you got to cut the head off. Mm-hmm. shorten it up because so it fits correctly on the bait. So I want to make that so I can just put it right on, thread it right on. So that's the goal on that. But, I mean, the cool. first version of the head's kind of been cool. I've had Goonie, which has done all the artwork for me. Um, it did did uh, the logo, the Viking head logo. I named the head after my wife, the Viking. Um, <laughs> we were gonna, I was going to ask you about that because you do not look nothing like no Viking. You, I'm not. I'm not. Short- and my wife is uh blue eyed she's she's like i'm five i'm five nine and she's like five seven five eight she's like almost as tall my sons are my oldest is a six foot they're all bigger they're all fucking way bigger you know they all took their mom's side with the high because <laughs> my brother-in-law he's he's like six three yeah. and then her her other brother's like six four they're all huge so it's like yeah my kids took that side so I mean, I talk about the Viking so much, and I was gonna be it was gonna be Bullet Tooth Bait. I had a band called Hurricane Ron a long time ago, and we had a song called Bullet Tooth, and I loved it. And it was about Bullet Tooth Tony uh, from Snatch. You know, you could never die; you can kill Bullet Tooth Tony. Uh-huh. So I was gonna call it Bullet Tooth Bait because I named my kid Bullet Tooth because he got a cap on his tooth in the front. So I called him Bullet Tooth. You know, so I'm like, I'd be cool. And then Bobby Martinez is like, dude, you gotta call it fucking Viking. After your wife, she'll love it. I like I'm that. Like, Good call. So I'm like Viking head. I looked up the name. No one had it. 
so we did that. So, I mean, it's been really cool. Uh, it's, it's been so fucking busy, like between, you know, how it is podcasting. And it's like, I try to put out six a month and it's like, fuck man, doing them in person is like, you got to depend on people to come here on time. You know, you got to depend on, you know, you got to finish it. And people go, where the fuck's the YouTube? I don't have time to edit that, too. Just listen to fucking audio. But well, not it's, only that, in yeah. person, you got you, you got to make sure that people are coherent by the end of it. <laughs> well, dude, the Chris Monroy one, we got annihilated. Like, some of them we get, like... So when Matt from 86 is done, we sat there. We swam test his bait. Yeah, but yeah. We did, no, we did, And then we uh, ate pizza and drank more beers. So it was, like, it was a lot of fun. But the head's, like, something uh, where I'm kind of pulling back on the podcast with sponsors. So I really don't want to take on any more sponsors or even worry about that. And maybe the heads, the sponsor, and I'll keep with Phoenix. Mm-hmm. They've been an amazing sponsor. So, um, I, yeah, I feel like that way I can kind of stay neutral. Everyone knows I, I'm a Phoenix guy because that's who's stuck with me since day one. And, uh, they don't have the Viking heads. And if people have like something cool, they want to promote, like if a friend, like if, say, if you started a, a, I don't know, a fucking swim bait company. You're like, hey, man, I want, I, I sell these little high tech type swim baits. Can you promote this? Yeah, no problem. So I want yeah. it to be like a, the podcast should just be an outlet for friends to like well, help promote. Or if Adam, like Adam saying, hey, yeah. can you promote my guide service? Sure. Yeah, no problem. You know, like stuff like that. And that's what I want it to be. I don't, and I, I could make my money a different way because, yeah, it does take work. And we talked about this. It's a lot of fucking work to put these out. Mm-hmm. And people might not know that it's, it takes a lot of time away from the family. It's like having three jobs right now with the, the letter company. So it's cool to have that little platform where I can promote everyone, all my friends, and then have the money maker, which is I sell a leadhead, I give you a good product, and then have my regular job, which has been a bitch right now. So it's been like fuck. <laughs> you know, so you know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And uh I hope everything works well and I, I think it will. So Well, I got two things. One is it's great that you named the, the head, the lead head after your wife. Because you had to bring her in and get her invested. So she's going to be pouring lead heads and packaging and mailing. No, she's going to be packaging. You got to get her ass invested. Yeah, right. so, exactly. so she she understands that. And secondly, if you ever end your damn podcast, I'm going to drive my ass out to Southern California. <laughs> We're going to go fishing, and at some point, I'm going to kick your ass off the boat. <laughs> it's, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd ever end it. I think good, I would good. pull back. I'd pull yeah. back though, like maybe only put like I try to put out six a month. Yeah, that's a lot. And it's man. hard. It's hard to to do the salt and the fresh because we do have a huge market of saltwater fishermen. Like and, and where yours are, yours are long form podcast too, so it's not like you're doing yeah. 45, 30 minute, an hour podcast. I mean, y'all are two, three hours. You know, Sometimes I mean, I've, I've had it. some where there, I it's hard for me to communicate over Zoom if it's not someone that I can talk to. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like sometimes it, it does cut back on my interviewing skills that i do have on zoom i don't fucking like it at all uh but i will do it like if i have to if it's a really good guess like of course i'll do it or on the phone but the in-person is like my deal like i have uh i haven't had a woman on for a long time i had kayla nevis you seen kayla she's mm-hmm. on tiktok she's like a really good swim bait fisherman her uh her i think fiance is ryan block big huge buff dude catches huge swim baits saltwater guy but she's like caught like 10 pound uh fish yeah, they catch like, you know, yeah. cast to catch she's coming on i think saturday cool. so it's a cool like i i like those little like outlier people that will come on out of nowhere there's like a ton of dudes that are like that or i have the people i can go to the well to like kelly poopa 
He's got fucking stories for. Fucking I'll, I'll I'll say this like I like even if I didn't know Nick, I would be a huge fan of his podcast. Like I've got a t- the tiniest bit of uh, SoCal fishing history. It's kind of where what kicked off my my whole uh, addiction to bass fishing was down there, and so I've got just a little bit of history in salt and a little bit of history in fresh down there. Um, Which I want to touch base on because another guy that could talk about. I love when people talk about Calico and Spotties because mm-hmm. when he was fishing, when Adam was fishing, was the heyday more than it is now because people really? weren't really fishing Spotties as much. So he would go out and kill them and catch a shitload of probably big ones, and people weren't really doing it then. And ninja I, fishing and shit, I heard some crazy oh, stories yeah. from you. Like <laughs> we can we can we can touch on that in a minute, but like. <laughs> I like knowing the the little bit that I knew about West Coast fishing, bass fishing, and salt stuff, but mostly the the, the freshwater bass stuff. I think it's so cool what Nick has done with casting crank. If for nothing else, um, you know, entertainment aside, he's been able to document a lot of incredibly important like old school dudes that are staples mm. in the history yes. of fishing out there. And yes. the, I don't know how well it's been documented outside of that, you know, like be it on paper or recorded on audio. So what he's doing is important for the fishing, for, for the history of fishing out there. Um, and just handing that, that knowledge down and encouraging other people to get out there and do that too. And all the positive things that fishing can do for people. So I think it's not only cool what he's done, but I think it's really important what Nick has done and is doing over there too. And he's put some of like, uh, you know, uh, like a Butch Brown or people like that that have been kind of like enigmas or almost like mysterious people outside mm-hmm. of if you didn't fish a tournament with them, like they were just kind of these mystical names. He's been able to put them in the limelight. Um, and I just think it's super cool while doing charity events. Not so like, even if I didn't know Nick, like I'm a huge fan of casting crank and, and what yeah, they're and doing it, out there. I, when I got into kite fishing, his podcast was one of the first I ran into. And I loved it just because of how raw it is. And for yeah. folks that don't know, Nick is in Southern California. So he's down there where the swim bait movement began. And you go back and listen to this previous podcast. And, and the mantra around these swim bait guys is they're a closed knit. They're these, you know, these guys that don't share, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't know anything because my hiatus in fishing was kind of during that, that swim bait ramp up but you go back and listen to nick's podcast and the folks that he has on they share all kinds of shit like they are open they're real they're candid like it, it's not i don't think it's as closed out as as you think now i'm not in that game it might be different but at least the people he has on uh to come and talk they share a lot of knowledge and a lot of information speaking of that nick Tell us about the podcast you got coming up live. I think is it next week? Uh it's the twentieth, so it's gonna be Butch weeks, Brown okay. and Mike Gilbert, which have been two huge mm. supporters from the get go. So uh Mike came on, I think like he was the second or third swim bait guy. I think the first one I just looked back was Matt Peters. And I think I had Chris Purcell on from Swimbit Underground, then I had Mike. And uh Mike was really cool. And when he came on, it was cool because we talked before because it was just when the Mike Long thing happened. Mm. So he had kind of some shade around it because he was friends with Mike Long and he fished with them. But I didn't really go into detail because I just feel like if you fish with someone doesn't mean you're a cheater. You know, like and I know everyone knows what happened with Mike Long. So it was kind of cool to have him on. And uh, 
so those guys have been big supporters, and Butch has been like, anytime I put him on, it's like gold. And uh, he's, I hit him up, and he's always been really supportive, like the toy drive. But Adam mentioned, like, you know, I said, hey, just come and talk. That I don't need you to to give us anything because people are just going to come to hear you talk. He's like, all right. Backs in his fucking F two fifty. He's got seven bikes. He's <laughs> donated for the kids. And I'm like, wow, dude, like that's how much people care. Or like, you know, Gilbert donated like five of his trouts that you cannot get. These trouts mm-hmm. that are like priceless. So it was like everyone was it was it's cool to see these guys constantly support what I'm doing. And uh I told him, Hey, this is gonna be the four year anniversary, so I'd like to get you both on. And the thing that I like is they both have different opinions. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love debating with people. Different generations, too, you know. And they both don't fish the same way. They don't agree on shit. So I want to hear what they don't agree on. That's what I want to say is like, well, I don't agree about the, the you know, the moon and, the, and if there's a tide in the lake or if there's a phase. Well, no, I don't believe that. You just fish every day or, you know, moon's up. I'm not fishing. Well, this guy might go, well, I will fish anyway. And maybe I will catch a 12. You know, you can't just say that. So there's stuff like that, you know, that I love to hear, like just debates. I love debating. And, and you don't have to be a West Coast angler or a resident to appreciate all the stuff that these guys are saying. Um, I'll preface it in saying that, like, West Coast fishing, especially for bass fishing, is different. It's a lot more challenging for reasons that I won't get into. But um, you don't have to be or have any prior knowledge of what's going on out there to listen to episodes that Nick puts out to appreciate or you know uh be captivated by what his guests are saying like it's it's really cool stuff i have a quick thing i want to talk to adam so being a a west coast guy and going back so when i we'll get into the history more but i mean when adam moved back i didn't know who he was until our friend bo was like hey dude you know adam's like a fucking really good tournament fisherman for kayak fishing like really because he was killing it out here and we just never met up it was like hard. We, we, like, we talked about it. You know, we, yeah, we had like, a couple of days when you're like, hey, I'm going to be yeah. going here and surf fishing or whatever. We just yeah, didn't yeah. get that date locked down. But you came back. So, I mean, I guess if you don't mind starting into this, Paul, like a, just like his transfer from SoCal to there. But I want to know the differences. That's the big yeah. And, you know? and so I, I got one thing because there's we'll get into that. But, but Nick, we did not cover the toy drive. We don't have a lot of West Coast people, but we got a lot of people that listen to this podcast that would love to help any way they can. We the toy drive real quick. Talk about the toy drive. And then I got a question for Adam that's going to lead us into Perfect. everything. So this year we do have a change up. So it's at Chain Reaction, another hardcore guy, Andy uh, Soreo from, from Chain. He owns Chain. He's another guy we've all me and these are, these are venues, yeah, yeah. So, Chain Reaction in SoCal is one of the biggest like underground music venues. I'm not going to say like a house of blues, but it'd be the step down. Like, if you venue. were like, yeah, it was a staple venue. Uh, there's a couple of them. Andy owns it. Not only that, he's like runs Fearless Records, like, he does big stuff. But we reconnected through fishing. So, uh, I mean, I went on a trip with him for Big Blue Fin, Yellow Fin, like, it was great. But he was nice enough to donate his venue. He's doing it again this year, and we're going to do it at the same time this year. Cool. I am changing some of the vendors up. I'm actually getting Piz to come out this year. Uh, I think Electric's going to be out, Dialwa, Phoenix. Uh, I have some bigger brands, and I'm trying to bring more toys to beat out last year. So last year, we raised 
890 toys. And then we also raised, I think, $8,000 in uh, cash. And none of the cash went to me. They all went back to uh, donating to two different um, kids' organizations, which is Tilt Outdoors. They're based in Fullerton, right by me. So I wanted to be involved with that. And then there was Guppy's uh, Fishing Adventures in Oxnard. And so what we did is I bought, I think, 20 rods for each uh, each each organization. But I actually bought, like, good, like, Phoenix M1 spinning rods. It wasn't like, you know, just like a no, – nothing against Shakespeare. Sticks. Nothing against <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare. Yeah, good I already shit on them on someone else's uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Someone bring up uh, that dude. You know the guy that pours fake beer on his head. Um, the liquid. You know who I'm talking about? Matt Robertson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It should be real fucking beer, not liquid death. But well, hey, it's what we're talking <laughs> about. This, the green room with this sponsors. Goes, this goes back to sponsor. I get it. Yeah. But then uh, this is my argument. Why the fuck would you do that? Like, that's cool, guys. Let's let let's let uh, Bass Pro Tour MLF promote this. Everyone yeah. knows that's an adult. What the fuck he's doing? Yeah. It's a it's beer. It's not fucking liquid death. So oh. it's like, why is it such a big deal? It'd be like if I was like, hey, hey. but I was doing the fake pencil. Just kidding around though. It's fine. But, but man, like, it's like NASCAR. For how many years did NASCAR, when the the winner got into the the winner circle, they had beer? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know they. People make the comparison. And we're not going to get in it because it's all over. No, that, 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 that's but, one thing. But yeah, but yeah, if they would let Matt Robertson be Matt Robertson, it would. It. I mean, you know, that's personalities need to be able to shine. And it's not and nothing against sports. Matt Robertson. It's more against yeah. like the the Bass Pro Tour or them, whatever it might be, the organization going. You can't pour beer on your head, but you can look like you're doing it, and it's <laughs> yeah. fine. Then we're going to put it up on our site. It's going to be cool. Then we're going to take cool to, pictures. They need to know? let some personality shine for sure. Yeah. Tell us real quick, Nick, how can somebody not in Southern California, is there any way for us yeah. on the East Coast to, to be So this is the way it's going to work. So we're going to be doing two raffles, a raffle on site. So all these companies, uh, I don't charge them to come to the event. It's like, I don't want there to be any money exchanged from a company. I want them to give me product. So what I do with that product is I take half of it and raffle it at the event. Then I take the other half and raffle it online. And I'm very transparent. I go, hey, this is how many people donated. This is how much money we have. Because I feel like when you do an online raffle or do Christmas shit, uh, people are not, sometimes can't, won't be transparent. And I want people to know, like, this is all going back to the kids, like, this is the one thing I could do. I think this year, actually, my wife wants to, uh, you can pick families to donate to to really change a family's life. So she's going to go and find these families. I don't know how you do it, but you go to these families. They have a list of toys they want, mm-hmm. and you, you're able to take these toys to these families and go, hey, Merry Christmas. you know. And I want fishing to make these kids go, hey, this is because of fishing. you know. This is because of what me running my mouth and getting all these awesome guys to come together. And that's kind of like what you can do. So once I do do the toy raffle, I'll have more info. I'll have a big flyer. Yeah, there'll be two different raffles. And, and if people want to get on the online one, it's usually like five bucks a ticket. It's not much. But you got a chance at like a $250 swim bait, you know, a $300 swim bait rod, something like that, you know. And so what we'll do is is y'all go follow Nick at Cass and Crank on Instagram and 
and Facebook and all his he'll shout out his shit later tonight. Go follow him. He'll give updates on that. Uh, my last thing before I go into this next uh unquote segment that is unscripted, it's just we're yes. going. What I what what I think all three of us agree on is that Bassmaster needs to let Matt Robertson fucking shine. Let that man shine and be the bright sun of Bassmaster. But so I, I don't think it'll ever change. It'll never change. That's one thing that'll never change because it's you have these old school guys that are in charge of these companies. Oh, yeah. Good old boy. Good old boy. You, and you won't, just won't. Hey, but you don't want to agree. Mexican to, <laughs> you know, like, not, I mean, we're going to agree. Office, yeah. you know, like, Matt no. Robertson needs to shine. No, he, but, Matt, Matt Robertson is such a refreshing thing to the sport of bass but, fishing. When he came out, I was like, thank God, this is exactly what we need. Like, you know, a colored personality. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's what the sport's missing. And so, any, you know, you, you got Gerald Swindle, who's been kind of fulfilling that role for the last, like, long while as far as, like, you know. Uh, Ike did the same thing. I feel stuff, like but, Ike was a kind of a big uh, influence in, like, changing you know, like doing a lot of the crazy shit. I yeah. kind of started yeah. that. And yeah. I feel like, you know, he's kind of the pioneer in that whole he, deal. Yeah, he's definitely know? one of them. And, yeah. and that's the thing. You get these people that come in, but it's it's the same. It's, it's the golf conversation, right? Golf is, is uh, you know, this, this sport where you have to follow these rules and regulations. Look, fishing ain't fucking bad. Fishing is a <laughs> laid back, be who you are, and but the whole thing, the whole thing about this is when it comes down to people giving you money for who you are, they expect a certain appearance and a certain way you carry yourself. And I get that. But some people you got to let shine because those people are the ones that could take something from what it is to that next level. Yeah. Instead of suppressing it, let them shine. Adam, what took you to Southern California? And then, and then, when you when you tell that little story, lead in to you and Nick and y'all's past relationship in the wild, great, crazy world of music. So, in two thousand, we'll call it two thousand three, maybe two thousand, maybe beginning. To, so, Nick and I, uh, our own separate bands toured together in 2003 full u.s tour if i remember and, and like i wasn't was a, there i had a kid but i you, you weren't on that one you didn't do that one no anyway, so um, i had a kid and that's how but that's i have my that, that was our loose introduction or whatever yeah. it was because i toured with his, his former band and then and we in my band was a nashville based band that and band broke up people like hearing the names adam oh, like so you, the, the band i was in was called, the band i was in was called love is red um, we were a Nashville-based band. I want to say in 2004 we broke up. So in 2005, I I'm you know what, how old am I then? I don't know, 20 something like that. Um, and I'm still got the the bug to travel, be on the road, playing bands. And so I reached out to some of the West Coast people I knew, and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about moving out there. Uh, if anyone wants to, you know, do a band stuff, let me know. And so I move out there in 2005 to, to Huntington Beach, California, or Orange County, California. And um, ironically, I moved from Nashville to California to play in a band. You'd think you'd move to Nashville to play music, but I did kind of the opposite. Um, I was able to join some bands out there and immerse myself in that community at the time, Nick being a part of that. Like, I want to say within the first couple of weeks that I lived in California, 
I was in Nick's recording studio where he was recording a band called Internal Affairs and we did backup vocals. I don't know if you remember, I was a part of that for the, I think it was the self-titled record there. Um, so that maybe that was like our first crossing of paths was that, that session with IA, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, pretty immediately. So we'll call it 2004, 2005 when we crossed paths. And I spent the next several years playing uh, in bands or roading for bands. Um, and just you know, being fully immersed in that community, uh, I lived in a surf town and was embracing the surf uh, lifestyle and doing that whole thing. Had a back injury that had me pump the brakes on surfing, but I still wanted to be outside and around water. So I started just you know fishing from the bank around the local ponds, and I was like, man, this is fun. I like this, and it kind of reminds me of like the little bit of fishing I did back home in Alabama when I was growing up, and uh, met a buddy. Uh, who was kind of on the same like newness of bass fishing to me and so we'd run into each other at the local parks and local ponds and tell each other how we caught fish and we're kind of learning Who's in the that? same case uh, this dude named don scarelli he wouldn't be anyone that would listen to this or anything that i know of um but he like he was at the same ponds as i was and then at some point he was like hey i've got this tandem kayak that my family has and we never use it let's go take it out on this one pond that we had to get permission to fish that was behind a church in orange county and we we got official <laughs> permission like we had to get our id scanned and everything so they knew you know that was us out there how but good we was the fishing there at this church behind better than average and it was <laughs> and it was kind of like a, a secret spot even for back then and we were able to finally take that kayak and access the other side of the pond and fish those clump of reeds that you know for a year we were like man if we can only make a cast over there and that's when everything changed like just hopping in a plastic boat and being able to scoot around the pond being able to fish the middle of the pond that, like you know it, it all just kind of opened up to me and that's that's where i really think it started for me and then it was like Nick mentioned, and uh, I really had the bass fishing bug. And to what you got to understand, if you're not from the West Coast and you don't do bass fishing out there, it's so incredibly uh, different and difficult. Um, places uh, open up and close a lot uh, uh, more limited hours. It's not 24/7 access to places. You got to pay. You got to wait in line to get your boat checked for like zebra mussels and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of the ponds and reservoirs are 100% off limits, but you know, if you happen to own some bolt cutters and maybe some dark clothes and a backpack and <laughs> use the cover of Nightfall, you might be able to access some of those if you can brave the coyotes and the mountain lions and whatever else is out there. And uh, you can actually get, get some really good fishing doing that. Um, and that in itself has its own stories. But I just I, I found myself doing all kinds of stuff I never thought I would do just to catch a bass out there. But you do have to go um, above and beyond. Uh, to do to get in some good bass fishing whereas in the southeast and for example if you talk about the tennessee river out here which is like you know one of the the, the absolute crown jewels of bass fishing tva the tennessee valley authority has countless 24 7 like legit ramps or side pull-offs and stuff you can fish year-round out here however you want wherever you want it's wide open the bass fishing is good so you can you, you can meet any fit fishing bass fishing need you need out here and that's just not the case in socal if you do get on a lake out there or in california um it's going to be crowded it's going to be pressured it's limited time uh it, it's you know some of them are just kind of big bowl reservoirs where there's not a bunch of cover there's not a lot 
a variety and everything. You may have to go to the Delta to really get into vegetation and stuff, whereas the Southeast or, you know, here in Tennessee area where I'm at, it's take your pick. You want to fish a river, you want to fish a highland reservoir, you want to fish a, a lowland reservoir, it's all here. So um, it's, it's very different. And growing up in the Southeast, you're probably going to be exposed to whether it's a catfish pond or some, some bass fishing, like you're probably going to be exposed to it. Where in, in Southern California, more people had a surfboard or a skateboard, you know, shoved in their hand at a young age than they did a fishing, fishing rod, it seemed like. Um, so those, those were some of the differences that I like immediately noticed, but uh, it, it was still fun whether I was like, you know, hopping golf court, golf course fences out West or, uh, just fishing at a new place every day out here. Um, I was all about it. Still am. And how did, what, so the music scene is what yeah. connected you and Nick, right? Yeah. And, and when Nick and I would have been crossing paths or even when we started a band together, I don't think I was doing any fishing. Um, maybe and, you can remember. No, you weren't. It was it was years after, like. And Nick, and uh, Nick, you weren't doing any fishing at that point in time either, right? No, two thousand four. I think I, I was in Snake Eyes when you came out. Mm-hmm. I played in a band with this guy Todd Jones, which is in a really big band called Nails. Um, ton of bands, and I played in that band. And then I think two thousand. It was Lone Wolf was a couple years after. I'm not sure when, but that's when I played in Lone Wolf. And then we were kind of ending. I quit that because I just didn't have the time again. They got another drummer. And then uh, Bill's like, hey, Adam Riser likes to fish. So we started talking. And that was probably 2008, seven or eight. And then you were leaving at that time. And you got to shout out our buddy Nick Townsend, too, who he comes from the music community. He's been a guest on Nick's podcast. And um, Nick was literally the guy where I made my first trip to Bass Pro Shop out there. I was like, I have no idea what I need to buy what brand of hook, what kind of hook, like I knew nothing. And I can remember Nick telling me, Hey, you need to, if, if this is your starter visit, like buy the, you know, these hooks, this thing, this thing. And I was brand new, super fresh to it at the time. And uh, Nick Townsend was a, a big part in that too. And Nick would take me out on his little boat out in the long beach Harbor. Yeah. And we'd go after Calico and spotty and uh, halibut um, out there. And we went out and hit the freshwater a few times too for bass fishing, but Nick Townsend's definitely another part of uh, the, the story, too. He could just as easily be a guest on this. Hey, yeah. real, real quick, real quick. What the fuck is a spotty? Because the majority of people right here, when you say spotty, they're right. thinking, you know, spots, as yeah. in largemouth spots. What the fuck kind of spotty are y'all talking about? Because if y'all want to hear some shit about Calico, you go back and listen to Nick's episode. Because calico is like the large mouth bass of, of the right. inshore. Yeah, yeah. But what the fuck is a spotty? Because I don't even know what the fuck y'all are talking about. That, that's you, Nick. Uh, so there's three different versions of a bass you can catch in the salt. Well, four. But we don't keep white sea bass in that kind of same area. So there's going to be the calico bass, which are kind of more of like, they'll be a bottom dweller, like maybe like, uh, they'll be on, on the beach, like in two feet of water, all the way to 80 or 90 feet of water. Then you have sand bass, which like to be in the like 40s, maybe 20s to, to 100s. Then you have spotties that hang out in the bays. So when I had Andrew swim on, he he's a very good swim bait fisherman. He's a saltwater guy as well. He thinks that uh, a calico fights like a uh, like Small a like on steroids calico. Yeah. Yeah, but said, I yeah. think a lot of people say like spotties are like 
stronger than the calico if they could get big because they don't get that big. They get maybe if you catch your a big spot, it's gonna be three pounds. It'd be a nice strong fight. You throw that, you know, it's like gonna be it feel like a five pounder, and it's it'll it'll fight really hard. So it's easy for people to go like that live down here to go to walk docks down on the beach, yep. uh, you know, in the harbors and catch spotties because you're going to catch a lot of them. You could catch, you know, a, a 10 inch spotty. It'll feel like a three pound bass. They fight you hard. Use your bass gear. You know, I would literally, you know, fish yeah. it for largemouth bass with the spinner bait and take that same spinner bait set up and just walk in the Newport Harbor and pretend like I was fish for largemouth and you'd still get the same results out there. So it, it uh, translated well uh, from fresh to salt for what I cared to do, you know, not being in a boat or, couple times i was able to borrow a float tube that was kind of that's more of a thing that seems to be more of a west coast thing than than uh when you head out with the west too but uh, well, yeah, take the, your ass in a float tube down to florida and go out there and fish with them gators and i guarantee you you'll be looking hey, for a there was there were sharks and you know we'd be around sharks and stuff in the float tube so you can kind of make the same well you have stuff. you have seals here and people that's think right. they're nice and they're not nice <laughs> they'll no. fucking rip your face off like no like they'll, what, they'll what, get, what about old dude Sean, right? Didn't Sean get messed up? Oh, one? from uh Sam and uh El Segundo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a buddy, his face got like ripped up from the fucking he's a surfer, like oh, he would surf and yeah. They they are not like nice like people think that they'll fuck you up. No. Like so that's why I never float to an arbor. That's yeah. like they, all, make, they make me uncomfortable. I get a little unnerved when I'm around them. There was a guy on there, there was a guy used to float to off the beach. And he'd carry a little beater. I, I, this is a story I heard. I heard he got like a two ounce lead head and stuck one in the fucking eye because it was attacked. I was hey, like, look, Dude. look, if southerners, if southerners fished around fucking seals, then they asses would be on the grill every yep. weekend. Some southerners are smoking yep. a fucking grill because look, they they aren't gonna if they feel if they think it's a threat. Yeah. The night before they get on the water, they coming out there to kill that bitch, put it on the smoker and eat it like they're <laughs> and then hang its, head on, hang its head on the wall, taxidermy style. <laughs> Think about this, though. The Delta, they get seals all the way up, brackish, all the way up. So they'll have a tournament on the Delta. And they'll be at Frank's track, whatever you want to call it, whatever is up there. They'll drop the fish in this tube. These seals are just sitting there waiting for them. And they fucking <laughs> eat the guts out, just the belly. They eat the whole belly out of them. From what yeah. the dude that the Delta saying, it just ruins their fishery. Another no, the thing seals are the, the gators of the coast, the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck. Uh uh-uh. Hell no. We <laughs> bitches. We try to make them scared. So, Adam, <laughs> it sounded like you started leaving about the time that, and, and I don't know the history well, so y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded like you, you left when that swim, swim bait. Thing really started to to be yeah. a, the the West Coast thing is what it was. But Adam, we talked about fishing swim baits when yeah. we met when we were sitting there eating pizza and shit. Mm-hmm. Is is that what got you into the swim bait world? Was it hanging out with Nick and those guys? Is that what got you into fishing swim baits and all that? Yeah, the local tackle shops there, you know, had Huddlestons on the wall or like mm-hmm. you know the some of the ponds I'd fish. There'd be a guy that would only be fishing these oversized swim baits, or you know, they were oversized to me. It was stuff that I wasn't familiar with. And this was the very early like YouTube era where there was just starting to be some like decent um videos out there to kind of educate you nowhere near to the number of what's out there uh, today that you can 
pull up and, and waste your life away watching all of it. But I was exposed to it. I was around it. Even, even though I was like early into bass fishing, um, I would, you know, whether it was at work with a guy, he'd be like, you know, you know, caught this giant double digit fish on, on a swim bait. And, you know, it doesn't take too long to ask around or do a little bit of history or read some old articles and, or talk to some old school cats that are out there that could uh, tell you, Oh, this is how it was like in the, in the nineties and you know, these baits came in. So I was exposed to it, but I do remember buying Huddleston's out West and catching average sized bass on Huddleston's and then moving to the Southeast in like 2012 ish, we'll call it. And realizing like, Oh, not only can you not buy those baits around here, like no one's using them at all. Mm. Um, I got into glide baits, three years maybe after moving back, but at least the soft plastic ones I was already you know, on board with. And I just remember thinking like, wow, these are not utilized out here to any degree. And it took some homework and some uh, trial and error, but I was able to find some, uh, some, some fisheries and some places where I could just dominate because those, those fish did not see um, bull shads and Huddleston's and glide baits like, like they do now. And even, even now they still don't, but um they're, they're way more prevalent now in the Southeast. And you can go into some of the tackle shops around Lake Gunnersville, Lake Chickamauga, around the Atlanta area where uh, they can really implement those baits regularly and, and see success. And you'll see them there now, um, or the JDM stuff. It, it will make regular appearances in some of the more premier tackle shops. But I know at first that this, it was just unheard of. So I was definitely able to uh, take that. And I just like the idea, you know, it's, it's kind of like our music thing. Like, uh, we were kind of like the underground. Um, we were definitely in an underground scene of music. The swim bait stuff is like the underground scene of bass fishing too. So maybe that, that kind of mutual appeal was what got me sucked into it as well. And it, and it also just works. You can catch some big fish on those swim baits, as, as most people know by now. And when you got back east, some of your TVA lakes or had a lot of clear water, which would do they kind of correlate to some of that clear water that you were fishing in Southern Cal? I, I'm a clear water nut. And yes, it absolutely did uh, correlate. What I've learned about me specifically as an angler is that I am able to soak up so much knowledge by visually looking into the water, where it's see- whether it's seeing how prevalent the, bl- the bluegill population is or watching how a bass behaves when I pull a lure by it or, uh, if it's stained or muddy water, which there's no shortage of that too in the Southeast, um, you're more guessing. Now you can be more reliant on your electronics, but there's more guesswork. I could know like, okay, this twitch or this uh, stutter or this uh, action that I would impart on a bait gets the bass to react in this way. And I'm in clean, clear water, so I can watch that happen. You know, there's no guessing if that was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. I can watch how a bass reacts to that. Um, so more so than maybe a lot of my, like my buddies that I fish with and everything, I, I've kind of garnered a reputation for those Highland reservoirs that tend to be like a little more, uh, clean and, and deeper water where you can just see it all go down. And I don't know, I feel like I'm able to fast forward to the answers that I want a little better in clear water because I don't have to think, uh, maybe that was a correct clue or not. I just know for sure. Like, Hey, if there's bait or there's biology and there's life in the area, I can confirm it because I'm looking at it with my eyes and a good pair of sunglasses. Like that's a, that's a big tool for me as well. So yeah, I do feel like I'm drawn to the clear water stuff more than the next. And any guy that swim bait fishes know that, you know, especially like the glide bits and stuff like the drawing power that 
the, the visual feeding fish respond to that so much better as opposed to the lateral line vibration response that you can get more in the stained and muddy water. So I embrace that aspect. And even to this day, I still love fishing my, my deep, clear water probably more than the next thing. I think it's just more scenic too. I don't know. I've, I, I enjoy just the scenery out there as much as the next thing. So uh, it's all just part of it for me, but I like my clear water. That's for sure. So when we'll you get back to fish, we'll get back to fishing in a second. I want to hear some funny ass old school stories that you yeah. and Dick have from from touring in bands and playing together. I got together. a really good one that he's not. I, I want to hear. I want to hear. I want to hear some funny because when we when we got this shit together, mm-hmm. y'all started popping off with with this shit. I don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about. So I'm gonna <laughs> sit back and just laugh. I like. What kind of funny ass stories y'all have back in the day? So we, we went through, you moved back, you fishing, blah, blah, blah. Tell us some funny ass shit that y'all had happen while y'all were touring and doing band shit. So like his fishing, Mark is very particular. I'm sorry, Adam's very particular. Like his fishing. Very amazing, sick, like an amazing musician as well. So he could play every instrument and he could probably play it as well as the guy that's playing it. So we went into the studio, and there was this one stupid fucking part with this drum part. It took me probably like three fucking hours. And we played it, like, I, I think I played it like 30 times. Hey, hey Nick, hold on, hold on. What was your main interest in, instrument, and Adam, what was your main instrument? Mine was uh, big. Not yeah, I, was a, I was a guitar, I'm a guitar player first and foremost, but... okay. I probably enjoyed playing drums on the rare occasions that I could play even more. Okay, so so those are your two. And if you were bass, I'm bass and drums, and I could play a little guitar. I'm not okay. great. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I was drumming at the time. So I played bass in a band called Hurricane on a long time. And then I played drums for six months and played in a band called Donnybrook. And uh, I wasn't by no means good. Like, the drummers <laughs> go like, they'd see me in six months from the first time they saw me, and they'd be like, Oh my God, you got so good. Like I told my son, like I had to practice to be good. It was like, I had to play every day for like three hours to be good, like to play the way I needed to. And uh, then I got good enough. And then I started playing with Adam. So when I played with Adam, Mark, Bo, um, I, they were out of my league, like of playing instruments who played bass. It was a rotating Martin, uh, Dark Mark from Throwdown. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a rotating spot. So that was the one that rotated at the time you're we doing it. So we had recorded a demo, and you got, I, uh, I think it's on, on YouTube. It's like one of the best recordings I've ever been part of. Like, it's really good. Um, Garrett did that, right? Garrett, yeah, Garrett. Garrett Isn't that, that crazy? And then Garrett uh, was sponsored the podcast, Ambitious Sales. Oh, I didn't so, know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And we, were able to, we were able to record in a studio in Orange County that had like a lot of history that was important to us and stuff. Like it was definitely like the band that Nick and I did called Lone Wolf was definitely a side project. Like it was not anything that we were able to tour with. Like the other guys in the bands had other like full time obligations. Like Mark, who does Bass Brands, was in a, a successful band called Throwdown. And that was his thing. But it was more just like, hey, guy, I, I told the guys, I was like, hey. I got these riffs. I got these songs. Here's the demos. Like, who wants to play in the band? And we play maybe a show or two a year type of thing. Yeah. Um, but we have fun. What genre? What genre were y'all playing? Hardcore punk metal. So it's all influenced in there. Yeah. So if it if it's fast and angry and has heavy parts, <laughs> like that's doing it. So 
for like a, a more broader reference like pantera but for more of a, a dialed in reference maybe like integrity or ringworm or something like that like a, you know any of that stuff if anyone wants to look up those bands those are all like very much in the wheelhouse wouldn't you agree nick yeah i think there was a good there's a couple songs that have some really good crowbar the singer Bo, he's one of my best friends he was in my wedding like this is one of my and and I'm like, wow, that's the best thing I've ever heard you do. He's the horrible singer sometimes, and <laughs> he's my friend. You know, like, it's still tell me the same thing about my playing, you know, like, but he did really good. Like, I feel like everyone played because of Adam, because we he pushed just, like, fucking hard. Like, if it wasn't good, I remember going, I fucking got it. Yeah. And I had to play the click, which I knew how to play, but I wasn't a good click. A click's a metronome. So you're playing the timing thing, okay? And I'm playing, like, a weird drum part, like, I remember going, remember doing the whole thing, and I could not fucking do this one hi hat grab, and I was finally like, I got it. And Adam goes, nope, do it again. <laughs> and it was three hours long, and I'm like, oh my fucking god. And I'm like, and he didn't let us do it, but it came out amazing, dude. It was really good. But I remember that, and then I remember me and uh, Mark from Throwdown, uh, we'd fuck around all the time, like. I'd play like he's playing guitar. So Adam's like trying to figure these songs out. Me and Mark, like you call pecking the drums, like just fucking like doing weird, dumb shit. Adam's like, guys, I'm trying to fucking do this. Can you, you know, like (laughs) just being annoying kids. Like that's how I felt like. And I feel like, oh, I was back to like my son. I see all the traits that I did horrible when I was younger. I'm like, oh, this is my son. He came back to haunt me. Oh, yeah. That's can't look harder. He, yeah, he's, he's, and that's my son. It's like everything my that reincarnation. I, yep, my yes. reincarnation of of everything that I was as a child that I'm, I'm over here beating my head against the damn wall. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Adam was. Uh, I mean, after that, then we kind of reconnected, and then, I mean, after the 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 kayak thing, uh, I mean, he's he's really successful in the kayak fishing uh, on the, on the East Coast, and that was what shocked me. I was like, oh man, you know, like, and people trip when I go. I know Adam. I'm like, how the fuck do you know Adam? I'm like, I played a band with him. Like, yeah, completely <laughs> non-fishing related stuff. Yeah. yeah, where it all started. Well, and we talked about this too. So we've talked about this with with a couple guests on this. I gotta go pee now. It's my my pee break time. All right, good good luck. <laughs> we talked about this. Uh, how how so many, at least in the kayak world, right? We hear the podcast. We hear the background of people talk. And in the kayak world, we hear all these people that, that played in some kind of band and, and, and they they did tours and, you know, regionally, locally, some some toured nationwide. Um, what, what do you think, Adam, makes that correlation? What 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 brings that that artistic? Because I think and I, I damn it. When you say I think. Holy shit! You just went B. Hold on a second, Nick. Nick. Yes, sir. What the, the hell kind of piss was that? Though you were gone for thirty seconds. You Not even. Like a woman. You gotta, this is how you got to do it in a podcast, okay? <laughs> you bang it out quick because I do. I used to do it all the time. So I'd be talking when we start drinking. Oh and yeah. And I go. I know how long this is gonna take. <laughs> go piss really quick. Come back and then I'm back. You know. Nick, Nick, you should get you get an adult diaper sponsor for Casting Craig, and then you guys don't have to leave the mic ever. You know those women have those little things that cover their mm-hmm. vag, and they, yeah. I need to get like a little fucking tube that goes around the dick. Yeah. 
then you don't have to do any edits right here under cuts a little or any bit. of that. Well, great. The first time I came on this podcast, Alex's podcasts are like 45 minutes to an hour. And this in our this thing it went for like two hours. He was he had to pee in like a cup or a bucket or something our first episode because he wouldn't get up. But anyway, that's that's the kind of stupid shit. That's why we like to have three people on here. So if one of us has got to get up and go tinkle, the other ones can carry the conversation. But Nick, while you went for tinkling, I was asking Adam what we talked about earlier uh, before we came live was Mm -hmm. How's the correlation between like fishing and 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 being in a band? How so many people have done both, and it's it's that artistic fishing is artistic, right? There's there's a lot of uh, really being dialed in and and being an artist to what you're doing, and obviously that is a hundred percent what what playing the instrument is. What do y'all think? Because y'all have done both, and I haven't. I played the saxophone I have two for like different, four years. But, <laughs> I got two different opinions on this. What? So yeah, have, tell, tell, a, y'all tell me, because y'all so have been deep like in both. I've talked to Mike Gilbert about this. I feel like swim bait fishing is the extreme side of fishing. Okay, so you'll find a lot of swim bait fishermen that were pro BMX, pro skaters, pro snowboarders, pro something extreme fish, extreme sport. Okay. Now, I find the tournament guys are musicians. So Adam, Brian Lipke, uh, Impending Doom, Manny, I just talked to. There's a ton of guys that are either fly fish or do some kind of green bass. I think the musicians push towards the conventional side because it's like learning your instrument. You want to learn every part of that instrument. You want to learn ins and out of you know Ned Rig, whatever it might be. And the swim bait guys are looking for that big high, like you would if you were jumping a huge set of doubles or, you know, on a vert ramp or something like that. They're looking for that 10 pound that's going to, you know, get you off your big high. So that's. I agree. And like, they're both individual sports, whether you're like, you know, skate, surf, BMX, whatever. It's an individual Mm -hmm. thing. And like, even though I don't have history in skateboarding, I grew up around them and many of my friends were. So I was in the mix, but I can't claim that I put a, a skateboard underneath my feet. Um, like skateboarders go all day and may not land that trick. You may land it one time in the whole day and that's worth your, all your efforts for the day or maybe multiple days. Same thing with the big swim bait. So I agree with that analogy. Um, a hundred percent, man, as far as like the other part, I feel like me personally, the reason that I'm into fishing is just some of my growing up in Alabama. Um, you know, I grew up in Florence, Alabama, Pickwick lakes right there. And even though me and my family would do some fishing, it was just from the bank and it was casting out there with like a chartreuse grub or something, or maybe some top water. We catch whatever would bite. It didn't matter. We like, we didn't know how to bass fish. Like that wasn't the thing. We don't have no history in that. Like, um, and so it was just kind of, if you grow up in the South, you go fishing sometimes if there's a body of water and if you catch some catfish, then you got some dinner on top of it. And if you don't catch anything worth coming home for dinner with. So for me, I feel like it's more geographical. I know bat, I'm trust me, I have countless times asked, why do I care so much about these damn bass? Like, I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't neglect <laughs> responsibilities in my life to the degree that I do to go after these bass, but I do. And so I've many times been like, what is it? What's the, what's the allure? What is it? And I think it's the puzzle solving part. And, and if you're a, a true bass fisherman, that puzzle solving never ends. You can get really close and you can figure out this aspect of this technique or this season 
and get really dialed in, but there, it, you're still always looking for an extra answer. I've heard many um, elite and pro fishermen talk about like, yeah, catching the fish is good and all that, but knowing that you fooled them or that you figured out the pattern or the puzzle, that, that little missing element that allows you to go, aha, I got it. And you may catch that fish, but you're still not satisfied. You still want to expand on that or be like, all right, but the fish will go for this bait. I wonder what they would do if I make this little bitty adjustment or, you know, this little sidestep this way. Um, so it's hard to say what that, that analogy is. I know I can only speak for me personally, like music for me is cathartic. Writing a song is cathartic. Like it's something that I need to get out or something that I need to express. Um, and I never like, even though I did write some lyrics, it's mostly more the, the music part of, you know, uh, more so than the vocals or lyrics thing. So there's a cathartic thing to that. Um, but there's also a cathartic element to bass fishing too. Like I say, like I get just as stoked about seeing a, a group of river otters or a bald eagle as I do about catching a fish as well. Um, so it's just a good contrast. It's a good like means of serenity and just leveling out my mental state and stuff. But it's, I don't know. I think you'd only be speculating if you would say, what's that correlation between the music world and this, I know that I can speak a little bit for our buddy, Mark Schwinier at Bass Brains. Like he grew up in Connecticut and when he was, and he was a big skateboarder, skateboarding was his thing. And when he wasn't skating every once in a while, he'd dip into like a, a pond or a river and do a little bit of fishing. So he had that there too. And Mark was actually the one that got me into fishing because he was my roommate in California. And he came home one day and he was like, hey, well, I just caught a bass at a pond. And I was like, I didn't know you could catch bass in Southern California, to be honest with you. Like that, I thought it was all saltwater and stuff. And so I was like, really? You want to show me or tell me about the spot you're fishing? Because I, I wouldn't mind going there. That's that's really where it started out there for me. Hey, well, I'll go buy some, some yellow grubs and a cork over here and we can go fishing. It's crazy that you said cork because that's literally like what we would do on Pickwick. Like in, in the 90s, the big topwater deal was to have a popping cork. It's just like the redfish thing. Mm -hmm. The popping cork with like a little wooden white uh, feather tail thing behind it. And you kept skipjack, stripe, and bass on it. That was the big yeah. thing on the Tennessee River like in the 90s. And so it was, a short, it was like a, a ball head with a chartreuse uh, grub, like a fat mm -hmm. Albert or something. And then a popping cork, and that was kind of the only two things that we ever used, and other than like maybe a little bit of a bucket of minnows or some live bait or something. But um, yeah, it's to me, it's just a means of like you know setting your mind right. And bass fishing and music both do that for me. But these days, I can't claim that I'm uh, in the mix with music at all, even though I live in Nashville, Tennessee, where it seems like half of my social group and all, you know all my coworkers, everyone's very much uh, immersed in music. I'm kind of happy to. Uh, not have that stress, but I'm all in on the bass fishing thing. That was what occupies <laughs> my time and my mind. I would say a, a good analogy is with, with music. So the folks that I know that love music, that are musicians and have done that, and all the folks that I know that uh, that fish, you said cathartic. What the fuck did you say? What? Uh, cathartic. Yeah, cathartic. Yeah. All right. That's what I said the first time, but my southern accent didn't make it. Hey, they got that white cloth moving around over there. That's right. <laughs> the, the, the easiest way to say it from a southern aspect is it's a release, right? It's a place right. that you can go in. You can you can you can close your eyes in that music and go to wherever you want to go. That's right. You can go out and fish, and and you can be out there, and and you can close your eyes, or you can stare off into the distance. You can watch your lure, whatever it is. And you can go to wherever you want to take your mind to go. It's, it's that release. It's, it's that thing 
where where nothing matters except yep. what you're doing. Does from a musician, y'all's musician background, does that relate? Uh, I think it can relate in that, like, if I'm fishing, I don't have to catch fish. I can just be out there, and I'm good, it's going to do me good. Um, if I'm songwriting or if I'm playing music or just jamming with someone, there doesn't have to be an end goal. We don't have to write a song. We don't have to write a hit record. We don't have to record. If you're just out there making noise with your buddies or whatever, or just even just writing music on your own at, at home or just playing, you don't have to write anything. You don't have to record anything. Just picking up an instrument and, like, getting that out there and expressing whatever you're feeling for the, for that night or that evening, like it, that's definitely the same, but that you don't have to have these big uh, lofty goals or uh, outcomes that have to happen in order to enjoy it. it. You can, you can keep it short and concise and simple and find plenty of enjoyment in that, or you can go all in and uh, empty out your wallet and uh, go in all on uh, you know, tournaments and get, go big on it. And you can get, uh, you know, a lot of good stuff from, from that too. So there's a, there's a big range there as far as uh, uh, how much you want to go in on something, but whether it's big or little, you're still going to get something out of it. I think. The other thing that I thought about coming into this podcast and in the conversations that we have through text message was how you have to travel in a band, albeit locally, regionally, or nationally that travel aspect to being on the road, right? And and Adam, obviously you have that from fishing national kayak trails. Yep. Nick, you have that from because you're I didn't in Southern tour. California. You have to but you still <laughs> I, hate, I hate touring. I hate it but, more than anything. And yeah, I didn't you, I, I did a California tour. I did I did a yeah. West Coast tour. But I didn't so like it. Still, I hated it. But right. <laughs> but when you come into into fishing and and especially a tournament aspect of it, and, and Nick, you have this with the podcast, and Nick, you have this also when you have to travel to go fish your local waters because ain't shit close to you for the most part. But that travel aspect really transitions into how you travel fishing too, because you know, you have to set up a hotel or a campsite yep. and then you have to have your mind right. You have to understand food and water and all this bullshit, all this timing stuff has to be right in fishing. If you're doing it in the competitive aspect, because you're paying money mm-hmm. to enter, to, to do all this, that, that touring as a, as a band or that touring as an artist, that all has to kind of fit into what makes you feel comfortable to say, fuck yeah, I'm going to leave Tennessee and I'm going to go to Susquehanna or I'm going to go to Florida or Nick's going to pick up his fucking whole podcast studio and go to Northern <laughs> Cal. Mm-hmm. How does, does, does that travel aspect, does that play in Adam? I know for you, especially with, with touring on the kayak trails, did that help you mentally prepare for, for the grind? Because that yep. shit's a grind. I was a wild and firefighter, yep. so I was sleeping on the ground, not showering for three, <laughs> four days or weeks at a time. Dude, you're, you're, you're spot on, Paul. Like, the it's it's the, there's enrichment that comes from all that traveling, and especially my early – I was always the youngest in all my bands, too, so I kind of had, like, the biggest, widest eyes. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, I'm here doing this and someone actually cares to pay and, you know, watch my band or something. But the traveling thing, 
And again, this was before like smartphones. So like we're printing out map quest stuff. So like <laughs> yes. you're you're stuck in a van with these people that like you're you're not always gonna get along with them, but you've agreed to commit the next like three to eight weeks together and you know, in a, in a smelly vehicle and showing up in places that you've never been or you have been and you're skeptical about being. To me, it's way more about embracing the suck. Like the that that refinement that you get from the grimy night sleeping on floors or, uh, and, and I'm talking more about the music days, but it absolutely translates over the, to the, the kayak stuff too. Now we are lucky in that one of our, one of our sponsors, Dakota lithium, um, has played a big part in housing us. So like our Dakota lithium team that fishes all the same tournaments, we do tend to share the same house. And so that, that in itself is much like how it used to be too. But before that sponsor came along, it was sleep in the truck. It was get the the, the shady campground or like <laughs> I've, I, I've been known to do a lot of hammock camping too. I'll string up a hammock on some free TVA property and do my tournament out of that and, you know, not even have a way to plug up anything or whatever. So that whole like embrace the grime and embrace the suck and uh, just roughing it, not worry about amenities and just going out there and the task at hand is – plugging in your your guitar and giving the people the show or in this case like going out there launching your kayak and figuring out how to catch a fish like it's kind of the same like you, you just uh you may not have much to to start with but you're you know what the goal is and you know that it is attainable and you don't need the, all the bells and whistles to do it like we don't need a, a big road crew or the fanciest gear or anything or uh or a fancy pa system we play a house show with the bands or we play in some grimy little punk rock venue same with the kayak stuff. If I got to shove off the boat on the side of the road somewhere, there's not even an actual ramp to access the secret honey hole. Like, so be it. So uh, I, I just describe it as like the punk rock mentality and those ethics and those years of, and I'm talking years of being on the road, man. Like, I mean, just right off the top of my mind, I can remember one year we borrowed a friend's minivan. There's the five band members, one roadie. It is, uh, we're in upstate New York in the dead of winter. You got the lake effect snow and some of the coldest time that you can have in all the states. We, our van didn't even have a sealed door. So there was snow coming into the van. We're all huddled in the floor of a minivan together in a group. There's snow coming into the van. It's so cold in the van, the heat don't work, that the snow's not even melting when it comes into the van. So like uh, just <laughs> years of that will refine you and toughen you to where like you, it don't matter if you're getting stormed on on the water or facing these elements or if you're using some janky fishing gear because that's all you got or a rusty fishing hook it's the same it's the same equivalent as is the the punk rock mentality of what we grew up in so personally i'm able to make it translate just fine and uh it means that i i usually don't take much to uh get it done or to be satisfied with uh amenities or anything don't Oh, get me wrong. Whenever we do get like the big cozy lake house, I'm all about it. And yeah, I'm happy to sleep in that bed, especially yeah. when my body's aching more and more as I get older. But um, that that those ethics and that mentality absolutely form like my approach and who I am. And, st- and I'm still that way. And I still, you know, if you grow up in punk rock and hardcore, you probably were attracted to it because you felt like an outcast or an oddball. Mm. I still feel that way in the fishing community, too, you know, and I'm OK with that. And I, uh, and, and traveling to music broadened my horizons, uh, both in ge- geographical ways and just like um, cultural ways. And I've learned a, a lot of the same stuff through fishing, too. So that all kinds of similar comparisons can be made. 
and I and I enjoy both. Just traveling's <laughs> fun, man. Traveling's fun. Like get out there. if it, if you haven't been traveling and you can't travel, get out there and go experience something. Go show up in a town you never heard of or a place you never know. Like we got to go. We got a Hobie tournament coming up in Russellville, Arkansas. I'll be honest. That town sucks. It's gross. It's, <laughs> it's polluted. It like it is not cool. But they got one of the most amazing like burger joints in the world there. So that's probably one of the few places I'll, I'll visit. And like, um, but it's just part of it. You know, if you got a good crew that you rolled with, whether it's your bandmates or your, your that makes that makes a huge difference too. And I'm very very fortunate to have uh, a good crew of fishing buddies that we tend to uh, share the house with or uh, hit the road together with. But. Uh, yeah. It's that vacation aspect of it, I, I, yeah. I guess you would say, is being able to roll out with, with some friends. And, and albeit if it's by yourself and it's your release and you just being out there by yourself or if it's you, you know, rooming up with three or four or five people. That, it, there's, again, it comes back to I, I played sports growing up. And I played college football. So you have that, that family atmosphere outside of your family. You know, those are your brothers. Those are your, your, your family members. And you might fight and argue and throw shit and kick each other. But 10 minutes later, you know, you, you kind of you, you threw all that shit out and you're back you know, do, talking shit to each other, right? And, and that's a big part of fishing that I enjoy yep. is being able to, to have that. Uh, and I, the damn word slip in my mind right now, not that y'all can understand me or anything, but, you know, that, that, being compatriots and shit like that. I don't even yeah. know what the fuck I'm saying. Nick, you had something to say. What were you going to say? I hate traveling. I don't like it. <laughs> I fucking hate it. That's one reason I didn't like want to go on tour. I fucking hate it. <laughs> and I uh, I didn't go on the first tour. I went on one tour where we went from here. This was, this was like when I was 20. We were from here to Oregon, mm. Washington, and then back down. And I fucking hated it. And then I remember we were going to go on a U.S. tour with the band. I was in Donnybrook, and I had my oldest. Like, she, my wife was pregnant, so I'm like, I got to quit. I'm like, I'm not going to be gone for fucking my kid being born, you know? Like, Hell yeah. So I kind of made the choice. And, and then I never left until last year. I went to Toxic Day to do um, a podcast, like a whole series of Toxic Day, but I went by myself. That was the first time I've been without my wife, like, on my own for fucking 20 years. So super weird. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? You know, I've been my wife since I was 20. You know, I'm 42. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, fuck, man. I, I don't know what to do. What do I do with my hands? You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't. I, 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 oh, I don't. I guess travel. I got to put them down my pants because my wife's not here to do yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm not a big, like, I'm, I have to do it more. So like going to Yuma, going, you know, there. Yeah, that's like, what I was about to say. You hate to travel, but you, you take your whole but fucking it's like make it, it's like you're my band. You go this is for my three band. or four days. Yeah, you this take is my this, band. Yeah. yeah. But it's not but like I you just like, show up and do some shit on a shitty ass blue little ball microphone. <laughs> where I'm like, you take your whole podcast and you uproot that shit. You go to Yuma and you do a week's worth of podcasting. Or you go to Northern Cal and you do that shit. I mean you still well, I usually get my wife with me, so like she'll come. She, my kids came last time to Arizona. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I bring both of them, and they kind of hung out and played and stuff, and did all kinds of stuff down there. When we went to, I've been to the Delta like three times. Yeah. Only one time my wife didn't come. She came twice, 
So the first Delta roundtable, you could hear in the background yelling, cut them off, cut them off. <laughs> 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 up, you know, <laughs> it was hilarious because I remember the next day I was like, oh, man, I remember they had a bottle of that Kraken. I don't know what it was, whiskey or whatever. And this is the crazy thing. So we drank like almost the whole thing. We come back to the second round table, which is like two years later, a year and a half later. The Kraken's still in the freezer. Like, there's like this much left. I'm like, we're going to fucking drink this, dude. That's Fuck right. it. You know, so it was it was hilarious. But it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I do it because I want to, me, like playing in a band, I want to stay as fresh as I can. And because I'm big on the in-persons, I'd rather travel to people. Just be like, hey, you can come to me. Like, I'm going to be up there. Come on down, you know. So... I, and I like that about your podcast too, Nick, is because you you say it all the time about how you want to provide great quality on the sound. And 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 if people have listened to the last few episodes with Alex, you know his ass has had to just get up. He's had to pay out of his pocket. But we don't make no fucking money on this podcast yeah, at all. Yeah. So he's had to pay out of his pocket to to go to these hotels to be able to record. And some of them have been tough, you know, shitty mm-hmm. internet. He's had to turn his video off, all this and that shit. Your podcast embodies that 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 quality side of it, traveling. For us, it's me and Alex. Yeah. And when he's not in California, when he retires, he lives in Jersey. I'm in North Carolina. Yeah. This is how it is. This is what we got to roll with. But it is so cool to listen to your podcast and, and how you – and your guest, it, it taught, and, I, and I say this all the time about this is our podcast, Bass and Bruce, sitting around the campfire, drinking, shooting the shit, talking, fishing. You have that, but y'all actually do it. Yeah, that's that, minus the campfire, favorite. but y'all are, y'all are sitting around shooting the shit, man. So that travel aspect of it, that's a, you know, you probably got that from hating the travel, but you know how to take your. your I know how to make it work. Like yeah, I know to right. make. It worked the way I want to. I'm going to have mm. to travel. And thank God I used to be a recording engineer. So I kind of, and Nick Townsend, another helper, likes help me mastering and stuff. He's a huge uh, recording engineer, Nick. So anytime I've had audio problems, I just go to him and go, hey, what do I do? He'll tell me what to do. And then I fix it. So it's pretty good. But yeah, it's, it's, it'd be nice to have like a, a person engineering this shit. But then again, <laughs> it's like, you got to, you got to trust that person to not say some shit that people say like you can't talk about that you know <laughs> you got to have a vault as a, as a person helping you because they hear people say some shit like either they shouldn't know about or stuff like that so it's kind of you kind of almost have to do it on your own because mm-hmm. you know how many someone, how many scrapped episodes do you have right now Nick? <laughs> right now i have how many i've cut out pieces in i'm gonna say probably 20 percent of the episodes i've cut stuff out how many hundred percent episodes that have just been fifteen at least? How many? Fifteen? No way! That's a lot. Do you, do you ever go back and listen to them and be like, "Oh my god"? I've had people come over and watch me delete them. <laughs> they were that adamant about like, "Hey, yeah, yeah. I need to know it's gone." Yep. Yeah, and I'm like, "Dude, you could believe me." He's like, "No, I'll just come down. We'll do another one. I just want to watch you delete it." That, like, so right. first of all, first of all. Being able to have recorded that has a lot of value in it for you. I'm sure the fun that you had, but having to re-record it is probably like, all right, 
Well, at least now we're going to get some. Well, it sucks because you, you get this little piece of golden information and they don't mm-hmm. say it. It's like, you know how it is. It's like talking before the podcast. I learned after, you know, a hundred and something episodes, like, I got to stop talking to this dude before the fucking podcast. Because yeah, we yeah. do like 30 minutes yep. and then we fuck the whole podcast up. It's like, shit. You know, and I've done that a million times. Some guys come, you know, you get that one guest that just fire and they'll say everything the same way. And you're like, oh, we're good. But then you get, I mean, I've had episodes where guys just don't talk. They don't fucking talk. Like, like you ask Adam a question. So what do you do? I do guys service. That's it, yeah. What does it do? So- what do you, I take people out and dig up his shit. It's like, there's nothing you can do. You're like, fuck me. What am I going to do for the next at least hour or 45 minutes is like uh-huh. what I'm like, hey. It's got to be this at least at least forty five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's Adam why you got to have your, sure. your Matt Robertsons and stuff like that. You got to have those personalities yeah. that can talk and can do it. Like there's so many in the fishing world. There's so many guys that can catch a fish. How many of mm-hmm. them can captivate an audience? Be it on podcast, be it on camera. Like yeah, that's the difference right there. That's what can make you stand out. That's why like I get excited about the, the Matty Robertsons and the characters like that. Like it's. It, it, there, there, there's no shortage of a clean cut like good old boys that can catch a fish like give me something interesting after the fish is caught too you know well see, yeah it, it, and you hear this a lot in the kayak world with all with all the the podcasts that focus on the tournament fishing side of it right you get somebody that wins and and you bring them on and and they just like they are they're they're, they're a stick they can catch fish mm-hmm but it's exactly what Nick just said. So what'd you do? Well, I threw a jackhammer and I caught five fish for 20 inches on a grass line. You know, if there's the storytelling. You could there. watch, you could watch like the, uh, like Bass Talk Live. Like it's a perfect example. It's like you look and there'll be three guys on for an hour and a half. Each guy gets, you know, 20 minutes or 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Very and regimented a, program. Great program. Though. Exactly. Good. Great program. But it, that's what you're looking at. To me, that's not what I want. I want like a long form, like stories. Story, you know what? I like stories. That's my thing. Dude, but you, you yes. see these tournament anglers, they know inside and out. Okay, I'm gonna go on Dave Mercer's podcast. I'm gonna go on Bass Talk Live. I'm gonna go on, you know, whatever other podcast is like that, and they know what they're gonna cut in and they're gonna say or interview and just bang it out, and that's how it goes. You know, a lot Nick, of the I'll time. tell you this. Nick, your pocket, you you are so good at being open. You really dive into people's stories and you push them and you prod them into giving that story. And when something you can tell, when something comes up that's interesting, you you dive into it. You, you but you would it. do the same thing if you had the person in front of you. That's the part that you get. That's the best part. Yeah. I'm doing a couple. Maybe, you know, like in the future, be like, hey, let's make it so we hook up at a spot, you know, in a hotel room. And you could have like three dudes in there and you're going to have a totally different conversation. You're going to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, I get it. Because you can read people like over the internet. I can't read you. When I'm watching you, I know when you get like, uh, you kind of want to talk about something. I'm like, all right, mental (laughs) note. And I have ADD really bad. So it's like, I'm ready to talk. (laughs) So I'm like another question yeah. ready all the time. You know, like, like, yeah, it's 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 our, again. I say I've been saying this shit since he said it. Joe LaBarber said, "I like I fuck I can't even remember it's something about bass and boobies." And he has ADHD, <laughs> and I know I have it. It's undiagnosed, but I like bass. 
if it ain't bass or if it ain't boobies, it better be bass. Anyway, like <laughs> but Adam, when I met you and we were talking, dude, you were yeah. so you were super quiet and and fairly reserved. Yeah, and and you know we were sitting there with the folks at the table, and you knew them real well, and they they were it was Christine and, and Guillermo, and some other people came up and talked. But you were still the quietest out of that little bunch that was there. Yep. But then you get you on a podcast like right here, right now, and you know you just you you open up. But again, it comes back to I think that musician side of it, of having a microphone in front of your mouth, having an audience, and being able to articulate your story to the audience. Yeah, for me, like, my natural personality is, like, very reserved, very chill. Mm -hmm. I'm an observer. Like, you know, in in my band time, I was definitely the quiet, like, wallflower in all my bands and everything. Like, that's that's anyone that's got history with me knows that's my reputation. But here's where that kind of changes. Um, I'm actually a huge fan of, like, stand-up comedy and to the point where I'm not just an audience, but I look at it as an art form, and I love, like, mm -hmm. uh, breaking it down and, and understanding like the craft behind it. And when I lived out out West, like it was pretty frequently, I would go up to West Hollywood to what they call the UCB theater. And I would see stand up shows there. So like not many people know that, but I'm, that's just a, a big part of my personality and what I enjoy as far as like, I enjoy music as an art. I enjoy the puzzle swapping about, about bass fishing, but I love uh, comedy as an art form too. And so that means I listen to podcasts. I see how people craft and articulate. And uh, I'm able to take notes from that and apply it to uh, my day to day, like a podcast or with a, a, a guide or something. And also being the, the son of two English teachers, you know, <laughs> be, you know, the, the articulating and the instructional part. I saw that done as a kid and saw it done well. And so and I'm able to apply that to if I need to turn it on. And like my other job, I work in the service industry. So I work off of tips off of drunk people, essentially. And so <laughs> if, I, if I'm, you know, if, I know I know how to like, you know, uh, get a conversation going, engage with people. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's I don't know. I, I do turn it on like I, I it, it, it's it maybe goes against my innate personality because I am more of an observer, more like tight lipped and more chill. But I understand the, you know, the benefits and the necessity of uh, the engagement and conversation and uh, explanation, too. So I don't know. I'm just fortunate I'm able to to separate the both and, and uh, give emphasis to whichever one needs to be done. But, yeah, if you like. I don't know. For the most part, I'd say if you put me in like a social setting, I'm probably like the more chill, quiet one. But I'm mm -hmm. also not I don't have anxiety about uh, being vocal or, you know, the spotlight put on me either. And maybe that does come from being on stage. And, you know, like I've, I've been fortunate enough that even though the majority of my shows that I've ever played are more like the smaller head count. I played some big ones, too. I played in front of several thousand people in festivals and I've traveled the world playing music and been on some like big stages before. So. Uh, and that's something that most people haven't done. So whether it's like, you know, AJ handing me the mic at a Hobie tournament or plugging in a guitar on stage, I feel just fine doing it. I've done it too many times at this point that it's just second nature to me. And I know I'm a fan, you know, I'm a fan of music and a mm -hmm. fan of fishing. Mm -hmm. So when I see that boring person on stage or the boring podcast <laughs> guest or, you know, I, I like to be captivated too. Um, so I know that, if I am going to get some time on that, I need to bring it. I need to bring it a little bit, you know, and you could argue that I'm still pretty low key and chill now, but 
doesn't mean I'm not capable of turning it on and, you know, having a couple of adult beverages and helps the cause as well. But <laughs> I know Nick, 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 Nick finished off his, his high life 40 and was sipping on a big old, uh, a, a big old, uh, we have something earlier. Nick, yeah. what are you, are, in general, are you introvert, a little closed I, I, I don't talk to people. This is the crazy thing is I don't talk to people, but when I'm one-on-one like this, I'll talk a lot. Or if you strike up a conversation about something that I like, we start going, you know? But usually, yeah, like I'm I'm very like, if I see you in public, I'm cool. Like I'll say, what's up? Let's talk. You know, I'm very open. But yeah, I, I mean, I would talk, but the group of friends I had uh, when I played in hardcore were the worst group of friends ever. that's that's a whole nother element you don't understand like the guys that he ran with it was we'll call them characters to say to say (laughs) if you fucked up talking they're quick they'd make fun of you everyone would pick on you i i i I had 25 bullies around me all the time so it made me like have a thick skin and it made me Know how to shoot back really quick to make fun of guys that won't only like verbally assault you, but like physically assault you too. (laughs) Yeah, friends. So like my first band in Orange County, we were kind of known as the first band. Hardcore was a lot of white guys, you know, which is fine, but we were all Mexican and black, so it's kind of weird to have like. And they're bigger than me. They're big. They still play. They're you know six something. Intimidating characters for sure. Hey, I can speak as a dude from Alabama and going on tour (laughs) with these guys like. I was kind of like, what, who are these dudes right here? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, uh, I'm, I'll talk. Like, I don't mind talking to people or like, I, I mean, the podcast, it's like, I'll open up when we find a conversation about something. And even when I got into fishing, I would talk to a lot of older guys, like in their fifties and sixties. Cause I don't feel like back in, you know, 2009, you weren't finding a lot of guys that fish that were younger. They wouldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going, Oh, I like fishing and fucking dork, you know, like, I'm not going to talk about it. You know what I'm like, so, like, I got into it, and it was like I wouldn't find guys that have a Bass Pro Shop shirt on or something. Yeah. And an older guy that like, you like to fish? I'm like, yeah. Oh, you know, like, how do you strike up a conversation that way? But, yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't like the toy drive. Like, I when I love comedy, too. That's another reason I started the podcast. I love, you know, that's I listen to primarily comedy podcasts, you know, because I just, I love comedy. I've listened to Joe Rogan since it started. I've listened to... Bill Burr, you name it. Like I love all those, all those podcasts, you know, and have gone and I've been lucky enough to have comedians on, like Amir K, who's on Mad TV. Like, oh, that's that right. It's trippy. Like when I got to go to the Brea Improv, and it was like I got to go to the back room, run into comedians I've seen. I was like, yeah. oh shit, this is wild. And to go back, and Amir's like, dude, I got Talk Andre to slam back here, and I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I feel like a comedian. Yeah, you know, like a dork, you know. <laughs> But I've even bombed on stage a toy drive. I remember Matt Pano. He uh, runs Optimum and uh, Depths 250, uh, Depths USA. So Matt was the only guy that laughed. He's our age, just 40. And uh, I remember I got on stage, and it was like, like I don't know, 100 people. So I had to talk. I'm like, man, I feel like a, a fat David, fat Mexican David Letterman. <laughs> like no one knew what David Letterman says. No, and I'm like, I was like, fucking no one laughed except Pano. I think <laughs> And I was like, thanks, man. Appreciate it, dude. You know? <laughs> and, and I'm like, fuck that bomb, you know, like, and I'm like, all right, well, I tried. And then I bring the guest. I, was, I think it was uh, Mike Gilbert or Butch was, I don't know who it was, but 
I love comedy. Like I, I mean, it would be like if I could do something else, I just, I mean, it would be too much, but this is kind of like what I was thinking in my head is to bring a podcast that has a little bit of comedy in it and then a little bit of informative fish, you know, informative stuff that we can, people will learn about fishing. So that in the end time, you know, like was, this is what I wanted. So I said, okay, I got to try to make this. So I, it was easy for me to be comfortable on the mic from being a band. And not only that, recording my own voice because I have to talk to people when they're recording as an engineer at the time. So, yeah, it's a pretty easy transfer. But most of the time, if people see me at Tackle Shop, I'll say what's up. I have no problem, like, communicating that way. But I'm not going out of my way to talk to anyone. You know? <laughs> and I'm not. You know, like, if you come up to me, sure, we'll talk. But if I see someone, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm, I'm, Same. You know? I'd rather yeah, observe. Yeah. yeah. Dick's like, hey, man, I saw you earlier, but you didn't see me. Just wanted to say, hey. I have, I have <laughs> you you sent him a text, people, him a text no, that night. Pictures, I'll be talking to someone. They'll be like, yeah, I saw you, man. I'm like, you should have fucking said hi. You didn't take a picture. I mean, I, I would not have. I would have been like, hey, fuck you. I'm not going to big dick you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so it's. I mean, it's it. Yeah, I mean, my wife seen it. The whole thing grow over. I got to have her on one day just to talk on the podcast. I mean, she's seen so many different scenarios of people passed out in my backyard on the floor, <laughs> me throwing hey. up in the backyard after. <laughs> like, you know, like, hey, that's the question I have for you. When you do these podcasts at your house in your studio and people are hammered, do you like have a a cot that they fucking sleep on, or do you well, like usually when they're hammered, what we do is we sit here. You got to go get a hotel. We'll get you an Uber to the hotel, but we're getting hammered tonight. So, like, how does how does this work, Nick? Because usually they I, got a DE with them, a designated driver. Okay, or we'll be sitting here for you know five hours after the podcast, eating outside, talking. Okay. Like my wife because, usually like sober up time. Yeah, because like we're, we're me and in, Adam. Hey, me and Adam are going to come out there and record live at some time in the future. Yeah, I want and to. I, I, and I can't get a DD back to North Carolina. It's like 3,000 well, You can miles. stay in the studio, dude. I got an air conditioning in here. Oh, shit. I, well, hell, I put a split system in, dude. It's got a, I have a nice split system now, so before yeah. I'd sweat my fucking ass off, and I'd be like, dude, I can't do this anymore. And my cameras were shutting down. That was my oh. problem. So I'm like, I got to do something. So we, I bought a split system. I think it's like 600, 700 bucks. Yeah. I put it in myself. Had it the, the lines charge and sixty five yeah. degrees inside my studio right now. Nice. I'm, I'm I'm sitting in my garage in North Carolina. It's fucking ninety five degrees in the summertime. I'm out here sweating my ass off. When I get done with every podcast, y'all assholes listen to. I want you to know I got to go up to my, my I got to take off all my clothes right. because they're soaking ass sweat because I'm out here in my garage. That's how excited and, you get to get naked after every fucking podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you, you actually you actually lose 10 pounds per podcast because you sweat it all out by then. <laughs> oh, Lord, I wish I did. No, since I started fishing and I got a hobby, a pedal drive, I was like, it's going to be great. I'm going to be able to lose a little bit of weight and maintain. Motherfucker, I have gained like 30 pounds yeah. since I got this fucking kayak I, and started a stupid I, 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 I paddled a kayak for who knows, like, I don't know, four, five, six years or something. And then I switched over to a hobby where my, you know, my legs were the work. I was in better shape when I paddled straight up. Like my legs are in better shape now, but like my entire upper body, back, shoulders, and everything. Like when I paddled, I was way better off as far as being like in a little better shape than where I am with the Hobie. But I still wouldn't have it any other way. I, lo- I love yeah. my Hobie. Yeah, yeah. When Alex did you start talk- fishing Hobies? What's that? When did you start fishing Hobie? Um, like out of an actual Hobie kayak? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. 
Um, so I got on board with Dugout Bait and Tackle out of Marietta, Georgia. And they're like uh, known as like a high-end retailer, kind of like all the bells and whistles, whether it's like tackle or kayaks or rigging out the kayak. They're known as kind of like if you want to drop some money and kind of get the, the, the baddest whip possible for, out of a plastic boat, that's their reputation and that's their clientele. And so when I hopped on their team, um, I mean, I was already eyeballing like Hobie as the direction I wanted to go for a while anyway, even after I still stayed paddling. Um, so I just went with the Hobie PA 12 360 and I haven't looked back and it's been a huge difference in my fishing. Like any tournament that I've won money in over the last couple of years, since I've been in that Hobie, there's probably a part of it that like factored into having that Hobie 360, specifically the 360 drive. Like I can think of Sam Rayburn down in Texas. I was able to meander through like the, the water was like 12 foot flooded there. I was able to meander through these like, flooded woods and if you're in any other boat you weren't gonna do it like <clears throat> like i could um i can sit and facing into the wind and like make minor little adjusting adjustments to keep my nose facing just right and if you had any other boat you're not going to be able to do it like i do and i'm reminded of how much i utilize it during my guide trips because when i'm trying to show someone something or we're out there fishing an offshore spot together for an electronics trip I realize how much that they are blown off the spot or can't keep their nose facing the right direction to make that cast on that target. And boy, it's, it just, it's that, uh, just that reminder that man, my, my 360 drive and my Hobie is everything. And I mean, just a regular Hobie with just a 180 drive or something is impressive enough, uh, coming from a, a, a boat that you previously paddled. What's the difference between the 360? I don't know anything about kayaks. So the, the, means what? the 360 drive, um, as the name went hint, like let's start with the Hobie 180 drive. You have a, a straight forward and a reverse, and you got a rudder on your kayak, which can you know point you in a direction a little bit. With the 360 drive itself, you have you have your normal rudder, but the drive itself can rotate 360, 360 degrees. So even if you never touch your rudder, you can angle that drive to only kick or, 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 or propel yourself um, in a certain direction. And so even if you got to like do, you can, you can almost make like a side maneuver in, in the boat. It's just super like a hand control or something. You move the correct. So on the same place where you would control the rudder right underneath it in the same motion, you can use your same fingers in the same hand to manipulate that, um, the 360 drive and, or the rudder. The, and it becomes the, second nature at some point. You don't need a trolling motor really then. Right. I've, I've made that argument, Nick. I've got a lot of guys that still put motors on their Hobie 360s. And so I used to run a motor on my Bonafide kayak, which, is, which was a paddle kayak. Uh -huh. And the way that I utilized, I, I had a stern-mounted motor, so it was behind me. And I used it to get to my spot. Once I was there, I kind of didn't worry about the motor anymore. I would do little paddle dips to kind of correct myself from the angle that I wanted to. Um, and now with... The, the Hobie, any Hobie in general, you're going to be able to get out there in the wind better with that 360 drive. I can keep my nose into the wind, a constant, you know, heavy wind and uh, still not be thrown off by it. I can still make my cast to that waypoint how I need to. Um, it, you want to talk about like a difference maker, a game changer. It's been everything to me like that. That 360 drive has been one of the most like pivotal, pivotal like uh, things in, in, in my arsenal that I use straight up. I, I can attack some water that normally I wouldn't have been able to attack or had awful efficiency attacking with it. So um, it's a huge part of my game plan. 
And again, when I'm out with a client, they see me like I'm so used to it at this point. I do it all second nature. And then they'll see me kind of like whether we're uh, at the dock at the boat ramp and I can just slide all around that dock or whether we're uh, trying That's to stay nice. like offshore. Dude, it, it's huge. But the, back to what you said, it's made me even though I've been offered by mo- motor companies to like join their team. I've turned it down because I've, I haven't needed one now. I'm still going to look to get one. I have, you know, some plotting and scheming to do, but boy, I've, I've truly, and I've told many people, I've truly not missed my motor. Um, that do you I used have to a motor have. though just to drive like to where you got to go? No, I'm one of the, and, and given like the, given the frequency of the tournaments that I fish and the crew that I run with and how they all have like the, the, the decked out boats and kayaks, like I kind of have one of the more simpler platforms and, um, but you know, cause like in the, say in our Hobie series, we can practice with the motor, but come tournament day, we can't use it. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know you yeah. can't use motors. It depends Not on what Hobie. series you're in. Like in the KBF series, you can use motors all day on. Yeah. That, that's what want. the guys down here do. Right. And, yeah. and they use it to their benefits. That's why like mm-hmm. the, the, the way, different ways you can customize those kayaks, you can, whatever fits your needs and your style of fishing, you can do it. But like say in a Hobie tournament, if I know that on, tournament day both day one and day two i'm gonna have to power that thing with just my legs you know and so you can get a little bit of a false impression on how efficient you can be on the water if you're practicing with that motor and my stamina gets built up too because that's all i'm I'm used to you know um you make that four you make that four mile run and a practice with that motor and that's where you want to go in on on tournament day four miles (laughs) you can do that shit most people, so in, in I got a Hobie uh, 14 with a 180. Our average, four, if if I need to go somewhere, I can average four and a half miles an hour. And I can average that for an hour. <laughs> so I'm going four and a half miles. Yeah, I mean, and but when you get there in the summertime and in, in the yeah. south, you wore the fuck out. You get That's there right. and you got to start fishing. You're, I mean, but... You got to remember, you got to make that some bitch all the way back to the damn right. boat ramp too. Yeah, those so weather conditions is, will, yeah. can make it yeah, like way you get wind or sure. rain or whatever. It'll beat you up, but you know, I, I've I've got a lot of my friends that like have all the bells and whistles, and they're like, man, I didn't realize how much I relied or leaned on that motor until it came tournament day, and then I'm like, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I don't got the stamina or the whatever to to do it exactly how I wanted to. Yeah. So I'm I'm able to look at it that way, but you know what? I really do wish I had a motor for my guide trips because Mm -hmm. um, it's not difficult at all to tether up to another kayak Mm -hmm. and you can motor them around. (laughs) And so, you know, if, if a a, a fucking bitch to drag a uh, kayak, one time a guy needed to get dragged to the Harbor, you know, Newport, (laughs) like it's fucking far. It's like, you know, it takes 20 minutes to get out in a boat at this Harbor. So this guy's like, Hey, can you pull me? I'm like, yeah, but they like to dig in when you're pulling next to the, by boat. I was like, what the fuck? It was really hard to pull, you know, a kayak, unless hey, I Nick, guess maybe let Nick, out a lot of line. Your calico fishing, could you ever fish out of a kayak or is it yeah, all they, have, they have a tournament. They have calico tournaments. Uh, okay. Brian Lipke, I think uh-huh. the last one they had big, Brian Lipke, which is a, he, I think he got AOI this year out this way in the tournament series. Um, he won the last big kayak tournament in the salt and the, and he does great in the fresh. Yeah. And he's a another guitar player, bleeding through another there big band, yeah. another hardcore guy. So it's like crazy to see. And it's like crazy to see the guys that are doing 
kayak doing really well like adam shredder on guitar brian shredder on guitar mark shredder on like all these guys are very good so i see the correlation between all of them doing what they're doing and the challenge you know and I, i do see that like so it's really cool but brian did it all brian's done yellowtail which we did offshore does everything and he but now he's straight into green bass and he does take the kid and he kills it dude yeah. Hob- hobies are great inshore you know saltwater yeah. boats like you know my, my buddy and roommate russ Snyders was showing me like a, a guy out west where russ is from up, up in norcal who's just bringing home ridiculous amounts of like rockfish and uh was it lean cod and stuff like yeah. that all out of the hobie out there on the on the boilers and in the kelp patties and stuff like that so it's impressive yeah. what you can get out there and do on the hobies it- there's a lot of folks over here off the coast of North Carolina that take theirs out, you know, 10 miles out on the coast um, <laughs> in a Hobie. 10 damn miles. It's like three hours out to go fish. Off, I mean, that's crazy to me. That's bold. That's <laughs> yeah, bold. but, it, you know, I, I've been on the West Coast. Matter of fact, we had a fire on Big Sur in 2008, and Ooh. I camped on, on the West Coast. I camped right as close as the ocean as you could get. And that shit, it, and it was the middle of summer. It was June, I guess. And it was like, oh, the water out there is like 50 degrees. I'm like, yeah. what? That bitch is like 90 degrees back home. <laughs> this is a different water water park. Yeah. So, Adam, you talk about, so you talk, you've mentioned a couple times the, the group that you travel with and fish with. Like, mm-hmm. who, who, who is it that you're, you're rooming with and you're fishing with and, because, and I ask that from the sense of, you know, you, you create these groups of people you fish with and the people that you're around, locally, nationally, it doesn't matter. They they help you become better anglers. And it doesn't matter if they've been fishing a year or 20 years. They help you become better anglers. Who are some of those people that you, you travel and fish with? It started because um, when, I, when I got into the tournaments and I was doing, you know, the out-of-state, yeah, I, I did the KBF trails like pretty full-time for a couple of years there, and I mostly did them solo. Um, I might have had like a campground buddy, but like I did a lot of them solo um, just because that's what I knew. That's how I kind of operated. And then uh, uh, an angler by the name of Russ Snyders, which anyone that's in the kayak world <laughs> definitely knows his name. He is uh, arguably the the best at it. Um, you can make a very good argument for that. And um, he started fishing. He, he's from Northern California. He started fishing our local club here in Nashville. And uh, we both had schedules where I would work on the weekends if I wasn't fishing a tournament. And then I would have most of my week free, which is when I would fish. And so if we wanted to do a river float that required two vehicles, well, Russ is that guy I could reach out to and be like, hey, you want to do a float or you want to, you know, go and, and do some fishing? So I kind of just by uh, schedule syncing up, started hanging out and becoming buddies with Russ. And then that turned into like, I literally was the guy who'd be like, Russ, here's how you fish a KBF tournament. And here's how you, what you need to do to get into that. So uh, Russ and I, I think the first time we may have, done an out-of-state travel together was maybe even Sandy Cooper several years ago. Um, so I was kind of showing him the, the works of being like, you know, this is this person or this guy in the kayak world. He was new to it, but Russ is not new to bass fishing. He has That's decades right. and decades of it uh, under his belt. So Russ, I got I to, gotta, you know, give a lot of props to that guy. I've learned endless stuff from him. I cannot 
you know, seeing his praises enough as him as a, a human being and as a character and his skill sets as an angler. Um, so Russ was a big part of it and still is. And I'm sitting in his house right now, which he's my roommate. Um, <laughs> but uh, that group turned into kind of just whoever would hit any and all of the, the, the tournaments. You know, if you're if you're always if you know that this individual, whether it's Cody Milton or Christine Fisher or Guillermo or Matt Scotch or Eric Siddiqui, like you kind of know, like, I don't even have to ask them. I know that this person's going to be fishing this tournament. Let's go ahead and get a place booked or share a house to cut back on expenses and costs. So you just knew who your crew was going to be. Um, and, and that's how it is. You kind of find out, like, I feel like there's kind of like the, the drinking groups that love like partying all night and it's not, and then there's like the us that are, that are like, you know, overly obsessed with figuring out the bite and, you know, really, really thinking that we can and want to win every tournament we fish. And when you hang around, you know, still sharpen, sharpen steel in this case. And so when, when it kind of organically and naturally ended up being the group of anglers that it is that I consider my closest uh, buddies and housemates or traveling partners on this stuff. And, Luckily, it's the best and the best in our sport. And so uh, I'm able to learn from them, encourage them. I get excited when they do well. And, um, you know, I'm no dummy either. I can I can I feel like I can <laughs> contribute my part to, you know, give you know, giving them a tip here or there. Or, hey, check out this lure. Or, hey, if you're going to fish in this part of the lake, consider doing this. So it works well. We don't step on each other's toes too bad by doing that. That's another part of it, because if you're. Uh, it's it's not uncommon even if we don't have any prior discussion at all you end up in the same spot finding the same fish so the, the finding a group of people that you can communicate well with um to where you're not stepping on each other's toes but also uh, not doing the work for another guy or letting someone else like catch you know the, the, you're doing all the work for them it takes mm-hmm. a little bit of learning to, to find that group but that's nothing new in bass fishing that's a, that's a decades old thing as far as like i think most guys have running buddies that are like one or two deep whereas in our kayak sport we we tend to be anywhere from like four to ten people deep in a house it seems to be the the common thing but i'm super grateful like again most of my running crew if not all my running crew that i do with like i think of them first and foremost as just good people and luckily they happen to be incredible anglers too so uh it's it's fun to show up in some random place and if i don't see them in the house uh like I know Christine Fisher and I had an ongoing joke where it's like if there was the most backwaters like secluded place on the lake, like there's a guarantee her and I were gonna end up like running into each other there at uh, some point. So that's that's part of the fun of it. But yeah, if you get a good crew together, that's something I had to learn because like I was saying, I was such a lone wolf and such a uh, an individual as far as like I, I want to go do my own thing. And uh, a lot of the anglers had the reputation for I call it being on the hotline, meaning like you're just always on the phone. To, you yeah, know, literally, yeah. literally, as you're on the white, that's not really my thing. Um, but I learned that there's a benefit if you can find that strike that good balance to uh, having some communication or, you know, like it's it's been super valuable to have Russ as my traveling partner because he and I can both we actually fish pretty differently. And we can go out and do completely different things during a practice leading up to a tournament and come back and share a little bit of info and. Even if he has an opinion or so, I may not agree with like his opinion on the bite out there, or what he think, or well, you know what the fish are doing or the fish behavior. Um, but it does help you know a little bit, or if like maybe one of us is missing just that one little clue or one little tidbit, we're able to uh, share that and maybe get us one more step closer to we can finish one or two, or we can all get into that top finishing spot. 
So this correlates a question that I have from Nick the Dick. <laughs> <laughs> because Nick has created this family atmosphere because the majority of it, the folks that he interviews and talks to are West Coast. But he's created this family of kayak anglers, saltwater, boat, freshwater. Like the, you, you've encompassed a lot, Nick, that that I think is very hard to do. And you've been you've created this family atmosphere with all these different genres and niches of fishing. And and Adam just you know, he he described kind of his journey through that. How yeah. have you been able to do that same thing with your podcast to, that you can talk saltwater, that you can talk freshwater um, river people, swim bait people, kayak people, tournament folks, this this whole gambit that you do? I think it's because I just like all types of fishing. I Like I said, when I go fishing, it's more of like a, I'm different than Adam. So when I fish by myself, it's like intense and I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm here to catch a fish. I'm flipping out. You know, like, it's not like any type of therapy. When I go fishing with buddies on my boat, we're, I don't care about fishing. It's more talking to my friends. So if we catch fish, it's cool. But I'm looking to, like, have a nice hangout or maybe just that's my therapy is talking to them. Uh, and, of course, we're, we're fishing. But if we catch a big fish, great. If we don't, it's fine. But I feel like... Uh, the different aspects is like I'm always looking for a story where I'm not looking for uh, I'm not looking for your fishing style or your technique or your, you know, or the way you fish the river. I mean, I want to hear that on the on the also and that's a fishing podcast, but I want to hear the story of you, of Adam, you know, like whoever I'm having on, I want to hear their story. So there might be something in there like, oh, you know, so and so does this for a living. Oh, that's funny. Let me hear about that. Oh, so and so used to do this professional paintball player ivan from jungle boys you know like he owns one of the biggest you know weed distribution companies in the world so it's like i want to hear that story more than just you know like the fishing part so in my mind when i started the podcast what i wanted was to have a a a podcast about people that liked to fish but i had to build a platform for it which is this is what i did and a lot of the people that swim bait fish have background stories mike gilbert worked at Thrasher for like 10 years and made some of the biggest skate videos ever, you know, like people like that. So it was kind of like, that's where I, I find these little stories where even if I talk to, uh, you know, Greg Blanchard's like, he has a crazy story. Like, and I talk to him and he'll tell some, you know, like he's had a long journey to get to where he is and it's clicking. So it's kind of heard cool to hear like people struggles all the way up. Like Rego around before anyone else was doing it. One of the OGs, you know, like, Butch, I like hearing the stuff that people aren't talking about now. Like, like I wanted to do one with Danny Kadota. I don't know if you know who that is. Him and Danny, Butch and Danny, like kind of were on the cutting edge of catching big fish, but with the uh, crawdads. So they would they would like have these weighted double anchor and they crawdad fish and be catching you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen pound largemouth on these crawdads. And that was what they did then. So it wasn't like looked upon because that's how it was done. It wasn't done with the swim bait. And then, you know, there's a whole section of bass fishing that is just that crawdad thing where they're chasing bass at Castaic Lagoon back in, you know, who knows when, 80-something, 9, whatever it was. So I like hearing those little backstories of all this stuff. 
And it might not apply to what we're doing now, but like I talk to Danny and Rich and they go, well, it does because a lot of this crawdad fishing applies to the way you throw swim bait or you crawl something or the way you, you position your boat or way you have a double anchor and you, you know, you drift a certain way to make sure you hit. There's like all these little nuggets, you know, you hear from these guys. So, and, and that could be with kayak, saltwater. Uh, you talk to saltwater guys that go, hey, who are the best captains? The green bass guys. The green bass guys are the best captains because they've done, they know how to hunt green bass. So you get these big bluefin, and they're hard to catch, two, 300-pound fish. But they can read it just like they would read a lake to catch a green bass. So it's yes. like there's stuff there, like, for all this. So it's like a full circle of, like, you'll hear me talk about Bobby Martinez, and I'll be like, oh, because he's a pro calico guy. Well, the best you could be sponsored. Mm-hmm. Does it for – but he started off fishing Castaic Lake and throwing punkers, throwing, you know, big swim baits. And that's what he's – he has, like, a ton of huge double-digit fish. So it's like a lot of these guys are already doing what everyone's done with the kayak, you know, with freshwater, with saltwater. It's all one big circle, especially in SoCal. So a lot of the guys I have on, like Big Rob, not only even Butch, Butch is like, oh, yeah, I fished, you know, probably salt like at least a month out of the year. That's all he's doing because it, it all plays together, you know, with the whole deal. And I feel like I there's there's that little piece that fits all this together. And that's what I'm trying to move more and more and just go to the whole. You can hear me still, Adam? Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little concerned or wish you wouldn't have men- mentioned the fact that you think that some of the green bass guys translate well to uh, the saltwater guiding because I've always kind of joked around about how, like, I don't need to go down to Florida because you can, one, fish year-round there and catch trophy large yeah. mouth, but then you also got saltwater at your disposal down there. I'm kind of thinking, like, man, if I ever actually, like, for some reason, uh, you know, immerse myself in Florida, I may just completely drop out of life. You know, I could salt, saltwater fish, feed myself, guide, right. do, do it right. all. Like, I don't know if I, if it'd be a good thing if I went uh, to anything coastal because having it all there, you, you mean, I made, I thought I was already uh, dropped out of life and into fishing, but that may <laughs> be the, the final end all be all of it. You're muted way. right now, Paul. You're muted. Oh, yeah. Unless you meant there to. you go. Uh, look at this, I'm, bro. How is this fucking mic muted? Yeah, hey, look. This is this is your weekly. I'm supposed to do this bitch at the beginning of it. This is your <laughs> weekly distraction from quality podcast content. So we be fucking shit up. Nick, <laughs> one of the greatest episodes that I've listened to that I love was the Billy Skinner episode that you did three, four, or five weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. That that story, he's he his story and how y'all navigated that was so awesome. I have been he and he, he I've been instant instant messaging him and he instant messaging me back. I got a swim bait and I told oh. you this, Nick, motherfucker, you got me buying shit. I had no, no <laughs> damn reason buying. <laughs> no, I don't even like I I do the same thing you do. It's like <laughs> and the, the crazy people like people go, oh, do you swim bait fish a lot? I'm like. Not in the winter time, not really all year round. I'm not a big swim. Why not? I'm like, if you lived where I live, you would be fishing calico and spotties all the time yeah. because it's a short drive. You have a like a huge amount of fish you can catch, yeah. and they get big and they fight just as hard as these greenmouth bass. Like, it's, it's fun, but yeah, I mean the same deal with you where you know you you see all this cool stuff, and I don't really like asking people for free stuff. 
So I try to buy, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. you know and they do give me, people do give me a lot of free crap and I appreciate yeah. it. But I try to support the company where I'm sure you get the same thing where people will message you like, hey, can you get me this? Hey, I'm like, dude, I don't even take free stuff. So no, I, yeah. I can't, you know, yeah. but yeah, Billy was a really good one. That's one of the reasons that I like traveling too, because I knew that was going to be good. So I, I scheduled everything around Billy. So first I made, I confirmed Billy. Then I found the other guest as I went. Billy, Gary, then I found, okay, then I have Beaver, then I had um, uh, Josh Bertrand, which was so, great, great lineup, so you know? Same thing with Beaver. I instant message in him. We talked back and forth. He just sent me some damn Beaver stickers. He's a group. All these guys are amazing. And once yeah. you meet him in person, it's kind of like yeah. they have a whole different, uh, you, you, I, I mean, I'll lurk their Instagram or I'll lurk their, their YouTube. And I'll see this is how the kind of person they are. And then you meet him in person, you're like, well, not really at all. It's completely and different. And these are swim bait guys, and the swim bait mantra of they, these guys are uppity, uppity assholes, and they're not. They're <laughs> fucking regular-ass people out there fishing, having a good-ass time. Hey, Adam, you had like 25 fucking questions that you were going to ask, and I'm pretty sure you ain't asking nary fucking one of them. <laughs> and nah. I'm, I'm hoping that Dick's going to have some bullshit he's going to say at some point because he's still been uh-huh. reserved. I haven't seen him drink no Miller High Life or no well, liquor. I only, in the I only bought one beer today to but drink with you guys. Oh, Lord. Hey, I respect that it's the champagne of beers. I feel like Miller High Life catches a lot of beer, I, like, I, I actually hey, like Miller High Life. Hey, did y'all do. Did y'all ever do Edward Scissorhand 40s? I've seen it, but I haven't done it. I never did it. Okay. I, mean, so, I don't think this day and age it'd be pretty easy. You take 40s onto your hand and you drink them. And then when those are done, they drink, they, they tape another one to you. Let me tell you something. I, woo. Man. I would I would rather tape onto my buddy's hand and then hit the record button on my phone than for myself. That's usually how. Yeah. Hey, I've got I've, if we if we want to do some of these, let's do them rapid fire where you don't think too long about them. But I can hit you with some of them. You want to get you want to jump into them while we're let's uh, do it because end. also before we end, we got our bass and bruise questions that we gotta ask. Cool. So let's roll with yours because there's only been a couple people that brought their own damn questions to this damn podcast <laughs> and, I got and a few you of got them. 25 of them that's a fuck ton of questions man we yeah. should have started this bitch at like 30 minutes in not two hours and 10 minutes so let's roll with it i'd rather be prepared than non-prepared all right you guys ready um, ready first one would you would you rather never catch a bass again or never drink a beer again never catch never a bass get- yeah, never catch a bass. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather catch a twenty-five pound bag of largemouth or catch uh, one ten-pound bass? One ten-pound. Twenty-five. Really? You want, okay. Different ones there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Who who would win in a, a knife fight to the death? Bill Dance, Jimmy Houston, or Roland Martin? Roland Martin. That was, that was my pick too. I like Bill Roland Dan. Martin's the most dominant. Bass angler to ever have fished, not the winningest, but the most dominant. True. I just figured he's around gators, and the other two weren't, and there so he's go. got a little bit of like toughness <laughs> around him or whatever. Um, let's see. Uh, this this one's a little oddball, but again, I'm not afraid to go there. Um, would you wear if the stipulation was you would always outcatch your buddy if you went fishing with them? 
Only if you always wore yoga pants the whole time. If that yes. was like the secret. <laughs> well, yes. like, yeah. but of course. If you, have, it. If, you, if you have ever fished around the Queen City guys, all the motherfuckers wear yoga pants. So. Oh, that's already a thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one lore for the rest of your life. What is it? Ooh. That one takes yeah. a little more concern. My answer was topwater, just because even though it may not be uh, but you said lure. You said lure, though. What top water? Yeah, I mean, probably like, I don't know, buzzbait or whopper plopper. It just it'd be the most fun. It doesn't mean you get the most numbers. It would be so the most fun. My, mine's going to be a super spook. That's a good one, too. My computer may be about, uh, be about dead here soon. I don't really have a good place to plug it in. So I, uh, I think for me, salt, it would be the jerk shad. I always talk about the jerk shad. Well, hey, uh, if his if his shit's gonna die, we gotta get we gotta we well, gotta, let's get the yeah let's get the bass and bruise question. We, we gotta get the bass and bruise shit. Adam Riser also right now is eight in the Hobie AOI. I was standings. wondering where I was. I figured it had to yeah, be somewhere. So, so you're you're not fishing the whatever river up in Wisconsin. No, but uh, it sounds like you're gonna make the TOC, and that's that's the creme de la creme. So that's let right. me get to my. My bass and bruise don't fuck up while Alex is going to live to see it here. <laughs> All right, Adam, Crocs or flops? Uh, used to be flops, now it's Crocs. Yeah. My man, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Absolutely. Give it to me all day. Oh, my God. If your computer weren't going to die, it's going to work. Sweet, <laughs> sweet and salty. Anything sweet and salty is a, a winning combo. <laughs> mm. You going to spend more on a rod or a reel? Uh, what I gotta think about what I've 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 got a reputation for being pretty budget friendly. Um, probably a real, probably a real. Hmm. I would have taken you for a rod guy in a three-hour session. That's a tough one. You could argue either way on that one. Yeah, I've heard arguments, but yeah, I have my own. But I took you (laughs) as a rod guy. Three-hour session. You want to catch five two-pounders and one seven-pounder? I want the big one. There you go. Wacky rig or Texas rig? Texas rig is going to uh, be the most versatile one, but in the springtime, wacky rig is kind of tough to beat. Um, so outside of the springtime, Texas rig, but uh, springtime. No, no. You choose it's just one, one or the other. Forever. Then Texas rig, for sure. Texas okay. rig. Slow jams or hype music? Slow jams. I listen to a lot of droney, long form stuff like that. I, I I like more chill than getting hype. So that's that's an so, easy one for me. So you ain't out there. You ain't out there head banging on your kayak. I yeah, those, am. Those, I'm past. I'm past those days uh, by a large. <laughs> I, I'm. Yeah, I like the I like the wind down more than the rev up. Nick's out there like whoa. whoa, whoa we gotta look up in it. Well, the thing is, saltwater. You don't have to be as like I have mu- I have speakers on my boat where I'm turning the music on. You, they don't care as much. You can play music loud. It's like not where freshwater. I'd have headphones and I wouldn't be listening to speakers. Yeah, Nick, Nick, them freshwater fish don't care just as much as them fucking saltwater don't care. These some of these people just too they they think the fish are too human. That's a whole different conversation. Hey Adam, have you ever eaten beaver? No, I have not. I met a guy uh, downtown on Broadway in Nashville last night that had a, a beaver hat, and it was made of, like, 
had three different bird feathers in there. So <laughs> apparently a beaver is more of a versatile animal than I ever realized, but um, well, it is beaver, not, it is not ended up on my, my, my dinner plate. Beaver is fucking delicious. You cook it, you clean it and you put it on the smoker, just like you would a whole hog and it will change your life. Is the tail edible? I ain't never ate the tail. I mean, I guess if you wanted to, <laughs> But, but I mean, right. there's two ways beaver changes your life. It's delicious or you're getting a baby. I don't, you know, it's up to you which one happens. Yeah, I think that, that's a Gandhi quote, isn't it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's a Jabberhammer quote. <laughs> Bitch, you better ask that shit on your damn next podcast, too. I'm going to. Jabberhammer. <laughs> Adam, do you eat largemouth bass? Yes or no? Oh boy, if I have, I've maybe eaten one or two in my entire life, and it's probably when I was like single digit of age. Uh, that's it. Yeah. More, way more no than yes by far. All right. So, this last question this makes or breaks careers on bass and brews. This is what we're known for. What are your top three sandwich proteins? Uh, the first one that comes to mind, um, pastrami. I love a Reuben. Corned mm. beef is, is is right up there. Um, I'm going to go with like a, a BLT, tried oh, and true. Nice. Don't don't Hell be afraid yeah. to put a little pesto on that BLT. Pesto does a lot of good things. That's right. <laughs> trying that shit. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah you'll <laughs> thank me later. Um, the third one. The third one's going to be kind of tough to. What's my third go to sandwich? Is that what we're talking about? Sandwiches. Sandwiches. Yeah, sandwiches. Uh, protein. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a nod to peanut butter. PB and J. I, I can roll with peanut butter. Hey, our peanut our butter good, banana too, maybe. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I used to eat mayonnaise sandwiches growing up as a kid. That's unfortunate. Like, I needed half an inch of mayonnaise. That shit need to be so thick when you bit into it, it squirted out the ends. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Nick and I are like, man, if you ever had a, a, a taco in SoCal, you don't care about any sandwiches. Yeah, we don't eat sweet tacos and burritos over here, a lot yeah. of them. <laughs> if, if only, look, I grew up on a peach farm. And so, you know, the, the migrant workers would come up. And I, I spent so much time out there with them eating authentic Mexican food. So good, dude. Oh, dude. I mean, you have no idea. Look, you go to a restaurant, you're like, damn it. They have Americanized <laughs> shit that didn't need to be Americanized. This is the truth. Well, Adam, Adam, our good buddy Bailey once says spinach as one of his top three proteins. That's not protein. Exactly. What does he think he's Popeye or something? What the hell? <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen his legs? I mean, are you talking about? Are you talking about uh, Ibrick? Bailey Ibrick? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see. Yeah, I could see him being in the spinach. Isn't hey, he like a it? college athlete or something? No, no, he was not a college athlete. He's just he's he's a weirdo. Can you believe that a man that a person said spinach is his top protein on a sandwich is actually ahead of you in the Hobie ALI? How does that make uh, you feel? I like so I'm pretty tight with Bailey and I'll follow his fishing. That dude is crushing it this year. Local scene, travel <laughs> scene, like content wise, like yeah. ba- Bailey is the next thing, man. So like whatever whatever success he's uh finding, it's because of his hard work and his talent. That dude's the real deal. 
So, so what you're saying is we need to start eating spinach sandwiches. Apparently, apparently, <laughs> yeah. You're right because Bailey has fucking tore up the New York kayak bassin scene and Hobie. I mean, he's he is he is fucking and he cool. and he's putting out incredible content. And content is yeah. king these days, and like so, being able to do all of that is a lot more difficult than people realize. So that's why I give mad props to Bailey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he he's been a good, he's been a great friend and a, a great resource to Bass and Bruce. Same. We talk, we we pick on Bailey a lot, but he he's been awesome. I love that dude. We we text uh, pretty regularly. All right, I'm gonna, plug, I'm gonna plug in. All right, go plug in. Hey Nick, you quit drinking on me, man. I thought we were gonna I be had one in, in, I, had, I had that's all I had with me. Oh my lord! I yeah. thought this was. I thought I thought we were gonna make Adam really uncomfortable tonight, and no, I his bald head was gonna be sweating, and he's gonna have <laughs> a, a sweat rag writing it off. No. <laughs> All right, hey, tell us while he's plugging in. Tell us, tell us. We talked about the the toy drive coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you got the the podcast uh, coming up that we talked about. What what else is coming your way? I got the leadhead's going to drop, I think, in uh, mid September, so that that'll be available on on the website when it's up. And then uh, the only tackle shop I'll have locally in uh, California will be Performance Tackle. And can they order online? If we yeah to order yeah them? yeah you can order online, and, and it'll and be from uh, some, three ounce a, a quarter. Three ounce a quarter. And it's yeah. a salt water and fresh water. Yeah, like the quarters will work. Like the quarters and three-eighths are like finesse where you could uh, put a Kitec on them. You could swim them with A-Rig, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Anybody else? Go ahead and shout out your people while, while our boy gets this shit set up. Um, not, I, I mean, Phoenix Rods, check them out. They've been a big supporter. Uh, Swimbait Underground, Blanked, uh, Toxic Baits. Um, Goonie Wolf, if you're looking at artwork, uh, 86 baits, big helper to the, to the head. Check out Viking Heads, Viking Head Bait Co. on Instagram, and uh, check out Adam Riser Fishing. Check out the guide service, he's another good buddy. Um, it's cool to see uh, a lot of old friends, you know, kind of doing good in the fishing game, so really cool. That in, in, in to that, that's how small this fishing world is. Yeah, a year ago now, I had just come on this podcast as a guest co-host. I had been fishing for six months, seven months, and in that time period, now I'm sitting. And I don't say this jokingly either. I'm sitting across Nick for the second time, <laughs> who I consider you know, in the fishing world podcast royalty. And Adam, somebody that that I've been following since I started with the kayak fishing stuff, you know this this community is very small, and being able to reach out to people and folks being like, "Hell yeah, let's do it!" Man, that is super. It, it's so cool. It is so cool, and I I can't thank y'all and everybody else enough for that shit because this is awesome. It really is. I mean, I, a year ago now, if you told me how to be. I've talked to the people I talked to. If you sit across <laughs> y'all two right now, I thought you're a fucking lost your damn mind. You're an <laughs> asshole. All right, Adam, you plugged in. Shout out any sponsors, any friends, any fishing buddies. Uh, you know your tour, your guide service. Shout out the people you want to shout out. 
Sure. Uh, for any guide service considerations, like at first I was, I was just guiding around the Nashville area, but now it's like I've run down to Atlanta, I've got anywhere on the Tennessee River. So, um, you know, with anywhere from a five hour radius in Nashville, it seems like I'm down to get in on that. So if anyone's interested in that, all you got to do is just shoot me a message, an email, whatever way that you can contact me. Uh, usually Instagram's the, the most common way. Um, we'll get you set up with the trip. I should have plenty of availability. Um, Sponsor-wise, uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, Dakota Lithium, I, I think I've seen them step up for uh, myself and our community in big ways, and their batteries are legit. I just spent the last few days on Del Hollow and uh, didn't even charge my 18-amp-hour battery once. I have a few days of fishing there, and it full, full blast on the graph, and it worked just fine. Um, so I got bait and tackle in Marietta, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Um, if you're trying to get rigged up, if you want to put the, the latest and greatest on the kayak, that they are uh, arguably the best at that right now, and uh, that, that, that's worth considering checking out. They were just buying the kayak outright. Um, Yak Attack, I've been with them probably longer than anyone else. The, any accessory that you could use on the kayak, especially the new black box that's uh, a long overdue, and they finally got it out in three different sizes. That thing's pretty incredible. It's the real deal, and you're not going to need anything else for many years because of that. Um, Let's see what else we got. Benny Branch's paddles. Been with them for a while. They make legit paddles. I've tried to break them and I can't. Um, <laughs> let's see. Who am I forgetting uh, in the mix? Bass Brains, our buddy Mark. You know, uh, that, that's an easy one. If you guys want glide baits or weight baits or some other stuff that's uh, coming up mm. here soon, definitely check out Bass Brains on Instagram. Um, I cannot express how much thought and consideration he puts into his baits that when that guy obsesses over something he then becomes the best creator of whatever it is he's obsessed with and fortunately for uh, us it happens to be swim baits so bass greens is a good one to to go with um let's see I'll, I'll leave it at those right there i'm probably forgetting someone or something but um those are the ones in the forefront of my mind and just uh, all the people that put in the time, like I'm talking to two podcast hosts here that uh, don't realize that when the podcast is done or before it's uh, it begun, there's a lot of work that goes into it. The editing, the tinkering, the buying of all the equipment, and uh, even when you do it all right, it doesn't always go right. So um, you guys giving us the voice, especially the long form format, which is my preferred way to do it. Like, I think that that's just super important for our community and our fishing world and, uh, uh, you, you like, like Paul, you were talking about, um, oh, it's, it's cool that I get to talk to these guys. Look, it, it is not any big deal at all for me to talk about fishing or, or, or the ins and outs of that. That's just, it's what I'll probably be doing, uh, not on a podcast anyway. So I'm happy to be in the mix anytime and grateful that, uh, you'd even consider me as a guest. So, uh, appreciate all those that are putting out the content and then, uh, letting, letting us, uh, have a platform to talk about what we're into. Thanks, man. Yeah. I sure do appreciate it. That's the thing about fishing is, is it's, we, we have the people that we look up to, uh, you know, our Michael Jordans of fishing. And because the sport is small, it's a small niche, there's people you can, you, you should never be afraid to go say, hey, and introduce yourself. Agreed. And Agreed. that, that is one thing that I've seen in this industry, having doing the podcast specifically, is that not only are people open to talking to you, they don't, it's just not like, hey, and then move on or sign and move on. Like they're willing to sit down and just you know, shoot the shit. 
is what it comes down to. And and the fishing is is kind of that binding agent, that glue. It is. There's and there's a lot more things that I have not in common with people. Um, and instead of focusing on that, I'd rather focus on what we're you know what brings us joy and happiness or relief or you know uh, is a form of therapy or anything in between or it can be just a simple pastime. It doesn't have to be any of that. Um, so it, it, why not focus on that? Why not talk about that and and uh, before you know it, you realize that even though there's all these differences or walks of life that aren't the same, all it takes is one thing that uh, can bond you together, and then uh, you won't you won't have uh, as many qualms or quarrels with other people because you realize they're actually more like you than you ever thought they were. You know, mm-hmm. I've learned that in a big way. Good deal. So, Adam, you're fishing. Um, uh, shit. What's your last? You're not finishing the. Wisconsin, what's the last hobby you I got? So I've got the Tennessee Bass Nation Championship um, on mm. Chickamauga mm. at the end of this month. Um, I finished second on a Del Hollow Tennessee Bass Nation tournament, which qualified for uh, for me for this Chickamauga event. It's going to be right at 100 guys, qualify uh, qualification only. Um, that'll be a good one to watch because Tennessee in general or anyone who qualified for that tournament uh, – comes out of our region and our region's just saturated with incredible anglers. So um, that one's going to be one to watch. I, that one's already on tourney X. If you want to look up the Tennessee bass nation on Chickamauga, I want to say that's like the 27th, 28th and 29th or whatever the last weekend of August is that's, that's going down. And then uh, I've got Hobie uh, Lake Dardanelle in Russellville, Dardanelle. Arkansas. Dardanelle will be the next one. Originally I wasn't going to get in the mix with that one, but um, I had a strong enough start to where I can kind of go for the win at Dardanelle and not point chase. Um, and I've been there two times before, so I, you know I've already got some familiarity with it. Um, so I'll be looking forward to getting back to that one. And then uh, after that, November TOC at Lake uh, the Hobie TOC down at Lake Caddo in Louisiana, Shreveport down there. And I've got lots of history on that place too. And anyone that's ever been there knows that that's a, a incredible place. Just about any time you go. So um, I don't have a whole lot going on. As far as tournaments goes, this is definitely like the leanest tournament schedule I've had in the last several years. 2022 is. Um, but even though I've only been in a handful, it's been going pretty good. And like you say, you said I was an eighth in T- or in uh, Hobie points right now. I ain't looked in a little bit since they updated them, so that sounds about right. But you said eighth? Yep, yep. you're behind the guy that thinks spinach is a, a sandwich. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, you know, that, that means I'm in a good place to make a run for some AOI consideration considerations and uh, just make a good yeah. push here at the end so i'm well, excited you, be, you know you get to be in the toc that gives you the chance to be the, uh, a grand champion and you know that's that's, that's a that, that's a big accomplishment so thank you for coming on adam i really appreciate it man you know from the day we met and and, and we kept in touch and talked it's been awesome i, I pinged you for some swim bait help excuse me because i wanted to get into that Wow, I thank you so much. Nick, dude, from from coming on as a guest, which was <laughs> awesome, to then giving me your cell phone number. <laughs> so I can relive all of your podcasts to you because I love doing that shit with other podcasters. You know, I, I yeah, love fun, man. I really like I really like texting other podcasters about their podcast and in and, and like Brian the Carpenter from um from Ike Live and and, yeah. and shit like that. You know, I, I just love texting because 
the stories that, that podcasters are able to get out of their guests, you know, it draws us in mm-hmm. and, and it makes us feel like it, it connects us. Yeah. So all the work you're doing, man, I love it. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on and guest co-hosting. This well, of course, I love, I love what you guys are doing. Like I said, I like original things and you guys have something original and I, I want to support as much as I can. You know? Well, I, I mean, when your goal is to be shitty, you can be bass <laughs> and brutes because the expectations are so low they don't exist. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, so I can't, I can't wait. Uh, a highlight, a highlight of my fishing career will be a, will will be when I'm on casting crank sometime in, in the next two right. two two months to three years. Oh, it'll At some come point. very soon. <laughs> see, y'all see what I'm doing right here. I'm making him feel a little uncomfortable. Making him, making <laughs> Not sure at all. That he knows Not that he's invite my ass home. No, we're going to have right. you guys soon. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do it. All right, y'all, Bass and Bruce, thank you for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening. This is an awesome time. Uh, follow these guys on the social media. They, they Send them messages if you got questions. These guys will, will, will holler back at you. We're going to step on out. Y'all make sure you check out Hobie Worlds, Team America. Quite a few of them have been on the, a couple of them have been on the podcast. Check them out. Uh, I think right now they might even be fucking fishing. I don't know the time difference. <laughs> when they play. Um, check Close them out. It. Check them out. This is Bass and Bruise, a weekly distraction from quality podcast content. Y'all hang out real quick. We're going to end this and then hell.